You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the program. My name is Chris Fengel. It's so great to have you with us here today. And we are going to talk about crypto and blockchain and Bitcoin. Listener wrote in and, and asked for this show. So uh, we always like to uh, super serve the listener and their moms. So stay tuned. We're going to ask the question, what is a Bitcoin? And we're going to explain it to you like you're five because I don't get it. I've had three episodes explaining this to me, and I'm still losing money on crypto. So we're going to help you not blow your car payment on crypto after these messages. Warning, this show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Welcome back to the show. My name is Chris Spangle. It's so great to have you here. If you want to know a little bit more about me, if you're new to the program, visit chris-spangle.com. Now, we start every show thanking our patrons, and you can join at joinwallplus.com, W-A-L-plus.com. And uh, this is how we support the entire network. We have 13 shows on the We Are Libertarians network now, and it, uh, it, it costs money, believe it or not, to do that. And we have a great, great set of supporters that have helped us grow. We are in another growth phase leveling up to the next level in our effort to build a generational libertarian outlet like Reason or Cato, but in the podcasting space. And I'm so proud of all of our hosts. You can find all of their shows at wearelibertarians.com. And the backbone of that is our Patreon, which you can find at JoinWallPlus. You get all kinds of extras, like the entire archives, like 1,500 back shows, where you can only get 400 in the public feed. It's all commercial-free. Uh, and, you know, a little a little extra. Like, I, I ribbed Galt right before the episode, and you don't want to miss that. Thank you especially to our $100 a month members, John Pasillo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Ryan Hold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. And I just sent a notice to all of those $100 uh, dollar a month folks that they're able to join our pool party July 17th we're having another wall pool party it's going to be much more tame because there will be children there uh, than the old days um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about you're just going to have to go back in the uh, wall plus archives and listen because that's it needs to be behind a paywall and there we just invited them to come on out because they're such important parts of this um, now Galt, you have a little bit of a hum on your thing. You might turn down your audio a little bit. And so let's say hi to everybody as we introduce this episode. First and foremost, the William Riker of this ship, the number two. He's a big number two. It's Harry Price. How are you today, Harry? I'm going good. And we're going to have to sit down and let you watch more 
Star Trek TNG because uh, it's number one, but that's okay. That's I'm, fine. I, we'll let that oh, slide. yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, I'm 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 like I'm ran out of series. Like we finished Blacklist. We finished Yellowstone. Now I'm like, well, now what am I going to watch? So I'm I'm rewatching the original series. So uh, Star Trek is better than Star Wars, definitively, mm-hmm. right, Reinhold? I would have to say that that's not a topic I want to get into right now. <laughs> yeah. We, don't, we only have so much time. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, this could end up with fistfights. We know what happens, you know, when we get fistfights going on on walls. Y- yes, we do. Because uh, Galt, who will be making public apologies shortly, is here. Chris Galt, one of the original hosts, one of the him and Creighton helped. Uh, they were on episode one. Until episode 34 when they got in a fist fight and then Chris Galt said it's me or Creighton and I said, Galt, it's time to go, buddy. I don't, I don't accept ultimatums. Get, get, the, get the F out. So, Galt, how are you today? Great, great. I actually just saw Creighton last week at a wedding. Um, he, he's, uh, he's in t- he was in town from uh, New York. So it was pretty good to see him as like a little uh, wall reunion there. Nick Taylor was there. I think he's been on the show before. He has, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, uh, uh, Skaldra says Galt. Galt is basically uh, the equate version of Spangle. Look at him; he's he's got little ginger beard growing, <laughs> and his little uh, 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 Matt Welch glasses. Um, so Galt, you how many shows have you been fired from on the We Are Libertarians network thus far? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> So there's the original. All of them that I've been on. <laughs> there, there's the original. We are libertarians. You got fired from yep. that. Yep. Um, there is you did nearly total nonsense. Nearly total peppers. nonsense with peppers <laughs> wow. that lasted one episode. Yeah. You were the original co-host of the new show on the network, Enemy of My Enemy, with Hody Johns, and he messaged me one day about a month ago and goes, "I've got to fire Chris." I go, <laughs> "I knew that was going to happen." <laughs> Hey, but we got it off the ground. I'm uh, good at that. Any others that you've <laughs> tantrumed your way out of? Um, no. I'm, I, um, after a while, you know, I always get invited back, so I'm sure I'll be back on Enemy of My Enemy one day. Yeah, the, the problem with Galt is he has a pleasant, <laughs> fun personality until you try to do a group project with him, and then you're just like, he's he's just... He's an asshole. <laughs> like... Two percent of the time, but that two percent of the time, like you're so stubborn, you're just true Southern Indiana. I love you, but do you want an A on the project? You invite me to your team, right? <laughs> I mean, that's true. You, you want a B? You kick me out. <laughs> and then our, our our friend Vincent, I didn't ask you your last name. It, it's Vincent McRee. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Uh, Vincent McRee is here. He is uh, big into crypto, and he's going to talk about that uh, today. We have restarted the Facebook group by uh, by requests from many listeners, and uh, you can find Harry's against this move. Frankly, I am too. The auto admin that Facebook makes you have ha- is just deleting every post, so it's kind of pointless. But you can look that up. I'll put it in the show notes. The link. It's not walnuts. Now, I want to say, this is not a place to post fake news, memes, politics, libertarianism. Walnut, Not Walnuts is a gardening forum where we talk about home and gardening tips, and uh, it is not a libertarian podcast fan group. So just please be <laughs> advised by that. Bring your hose. Um, 
I got a great letter here uh, who just is from a new patron, and I wanted to uh, read it to you to show you that not all libertarians come from the Republican Party. Uh, believe it or not. I mean, for God's sake, look at Reinhold and his hippie ass with his long hair and his boogaloo shirt. Like, you basically look like Jerry Garcia at this point. Uh, so, um... I was going for the dude, but I'll take Jerry Garcia. All right. Uh, dear leader, I have been a Chris Spangle Show listener for over five years. Your show was an integral part of my shifting from progressivism to libertarianism. Thank you for not being afraid to recognize social inequalities and discuss left-leaning topics. You showed me that libertarianism offers more equitable solutions to social problems than statism. Helped me see my place in this movement and, most importantly, stopped me from falling deeper into progressivism. Sorry to hear the lizard people kicked you off Facebook, but also good fucking riddance. FYI, I found your show through Google searching for the, the best libertarian podcasts. Uh, and I found the uh, Facebook page and still have the infamous Laws Are For Poor People meme saved on my computer. I really enjoyed your April 17th show, the one where we talk about uh, the Libertarian Day of Service, Nildos. I wanted to echo Elliot's sentiment on mentoring. I think mentoring is one of the best laissez-faire strategies to create a more equitable and prosperous future. Like all libertarians, I'm appalled by our education system and how little it prepares us to function at as adults. I was going to sign up for the $5 a month wall plus membership, but really wanted to listen to the new podcast, history of modern politics. So take my $10, you greedy capitalist bastard. Keep owning the libs and neocons, Tim Merlino. Yes, we have posted the first episode of history of modern politics, which can be heard by wall plus patrons like nine months before it will be available on the public feed. It's not going to be public and free aka ad supported until 2022 but you can hear the first episode the second episode has been scheduled for the first so every first and 15th you're gonna get an extra two episodes a month talking about history if you love the world war one I, I literally got a comment on youtube about how great a world war one episode was it's basically that but for a whole series um now let's get into and, and it's with matt right matt whitliffe, matt whitliffe. Uh, oh, you worked man. with you worked with matt yeah, if you guys don't know Matt Whitliff, definitely check out that podcast. He is one of the smartest minds in Indiana for sure when it comes to politics. I mean, he taught me he taught me a lot about running campaigns here, um, and I really respect that guy. And I'm really happy you're doing a show with him. You should see the the outline that we are growing between the two of us. It is the you know every episode we've got like. 50 60 70 episodes planned out and we're uh you know a quarter of the way through and it's like seven pages each so lots of great stuff the reading lists and everything are, are worth it uh if you don't want to join the patreon because you don't want to support the entire we are libertarians network which i don't know why you wouldn't you can go to historyofmodernpolitics.com and signed up sign up on that website now so let's jump into what is crypto what is bitcoin what exactly is that? Now, here's the problem with you nerds. And this has always been the, the – the, Harry will always say, we should do this thing on the, on the blockchain and we should have this website. You should go to this thing and put this. And all you got to do is buy five computers and then you hook it up to this network and then you can start using the blockchain. And then uh, your listeners will have three times the hardship of Facebook and uh, that it will just work. And Galt, you too. Like, 
we should just move everybody from Facebook to to you know this blockchain social media that nobody uses and 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 as a marketer myself I recognize the barriers to entry are often hard. So Galt sends me this fucking website last night to set up a crypto address. So basically you go on something and you type in instead of like the long chain, you know, VVN five fours, you know, 72 characters to donate Bitcoin to We Are Libertarians, which you can do, by the way at wearelibertarians.com slash support. So apparently you like type in wearelibertarians.crypto and then you can send it that way instead of typing out all those numbers. Well, I didn't totally get that. And so I'm like, he's like, it's only $40. So I'm halfway setting up this website thing and there's like blog options and it's not just $40. There's another $40. And then they go, oh, by the way, we need you to pay $30 worth of Ethereum for gas prices, which what the fuck is that? And by before I know it, I'm $135 into this stupid thing when I thought it was going to be $40, and I am pissed. I'm like, I've kicked him off like 15 shows. I, 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 I'm like ranting to my girlfriend. I'm like, this motherfucker is going to come on the show tomorrow and apologize to me. He is ruining everything as usual. It's like you're the sand in the vagina of wearelibertarians.com, <laughs> and you... Like, I appreciate you trying to help, but I was mad at you for it because it was confusing. And I am like, uh, like, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like Spock, right? Like, I'm half Vulcan, half Normie. So I, I sort of understand what we're going to talk about today, but I'm also like busy and I don't have time to spend an extra $300 for a, a, a blockchain website that I don't get what this does. And, like, this is the problem with your blockchain technology, Galt. First, I want a public apology for making me mad for trying to help me. And secondly, like, do you guys get why crypto and blockchain is so confusing? Because there's, like, every time I wanted to update the website, I had to, like, send a thing to something to get approved with a verification code. And there's, like, three steps to change the the about section and i'm just like this is never going to catch on because it's annoying what first go ahead publicly apologize and then second explain galt <laughs> what i was doing and do you recognize that like people are really confused about this stuff but they don't want to be spangle i am so sorry that it was a little too complex for you <laughs> i'm so sorry did he just call me stupid <laughs> and uh <laughs> Uh, but um, I did. I did send you um, five dollars back. So you did, um, yeah. Because I it out. So I said, I, <laughs> I, I, I need you to send me five dollars to make sure that this dumb thing works. So before I say, donate crypto via we are libertarians crypto, it, it actually works, and it did. It went through. It was perfect, yeah. and my five dollars is now worth uh, three fifty. Thanks. I, I yeah, and I spent three dollars to send that five dollars. <laughs> now you know exactly how I feel, right? Like there's yeah. there's you get in, you love the promise of crypto, but then like there's always another step here where you're like, why is this costing me money, and why is this so complicated? Yeah, I get why it's I get why you think that it's 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 because um 
Ethereum's not just money. Ethereum's not just money. It's also uh, it's called smart contracts. So um, that's what you're doing on the on there is when you're getting a website, you're creating a contract with the blockchain that says you on that website. So it costs money to create those contracts, and that's what the gas fees are. So so that's why there's so uh, not all blockchains have those kind of fees, but Ethereum is very expensive. <laughs> now, Vincent, currently, y- yeah, yeah. So Vincent, very expensive. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your background and why why you're an expert on uh, blockchain <laughs> and crypto and and what's your background? Um, well, uh, along with Galt, I mean, I've you know I've been around Bitcoin since it started um, from the very beginning. Uh, for a long time, I was just a little I guess normie, um, only watched Bitcoin, had no idea even Ethereum existed or anything like this, but constantly watched Bitcoin, watched it crash twice, and after that happened. It was on my radar. So <clears throat> this time, this is round three, and I saw it bump up back in around October of last year, and I got balls deep in in November. Um, so much so that I found a common collective of uh, uh, of people thinking the same thing and having the same, um, <laughs> I guess, eyes on the future, and we all started a community. Um, so... You know, that at the time was called uh, Alt Street Bets, which was, you know, a little bit of a play on Wall Street Bets, which was booming at the time because of GME. Um, So, I mean, an expert is a strong word. I would like to say that I'm adept uh, because I've just been into I've just been balls deep this this long seven months. I've had a lot of experts, very smart people come in that I've that I've learned from grabbed a little bit of information from and i'd say at this point after about seven months i can look at a chart and i'm mean, granted this is all past data and trends and mm-hmm. and all that but i can i can look at technicals i can see the chance of something happening tomorrow i can actually make moves um like marginal trading lever leveraging it um so i'm so confident that tomorrow this coin's going to go up that i'm going to buy this coin um, at a leveraged rate of times 10. So say I put in a thousand bucks, I'm going to bet, uh, that thousand bucks at a, uh, weighted bet of $10,000. So say, uh, that, uh, thousand dollars goes up 5%. I multiply that by 10 cause it's a weighted bet. And now that's 50% of, uh, gains that I can have if I stop right now, of course, <laughs> it's all unrealized. <laughs> So we don't bury the lead too much. Like, explain like margin and leveraging, please. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> it's it's the same thing uh, in um, stock trading, in which you will take. Obviously, the whole point of margin trading is to trade at a level that you are not. Um, say you only had a thousand bucks, but you don't believe all your trades can be uh, very fruitful to someone. Say with ten thousand dollars, you can make a hedged bet and multiply the bet that you've put down by whatever weight or leverage that you're going for. The only thing is every percent that moves, say 1%, is multiplied by that weighted leverage. Um, so again, if you put in $1,000, you are playing with $10,000. You still have to give that $9,000 back um, at the end of the day. But the main difference between crypto and stocks in margin trading is – and this actually kind of explains the whole GME or GameStop fiasco is in stocks. When you margin trade, you must pick a date. You must pick a date in which you are going to either return the shares back uh, if you're shorting stuff um, 
or or call your bet. Um, and crypto, these this is perpetual. Um, it could go on forever. You, you, there's a little bit of funding that you need to do, uh, but if you have enough piece of the pot, um, you could theoretically hold a bet on the future for months on end, um, as long as you don't get liquidated. And so the liquidation is, so you had the, the, the thousand bucks, you turned it into 10,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. Now, usually there's a margin ratio, a ratio that you cannot go under, um, or they will take everything that you have. Um, so if you made an isolated bet, meaning that you made a trade and everything that's in the trade is the only thing that can be lost, then your margin is much higher. Um, so usually a circumstance of, say we made our 10 times bet with a thousand bucks, we got $10,000 to play with, and it goes down 5%. Most uh, exchanges would actually liquidate you at this point, And that means that they would take even the other 50% of the bet that you had. So, so let me point, let me stop you there. So cuz uh, I don't want to get too in the weeds here yet. Yeah, yeah, um, this is a little bit. Right. So <laughs> it, complex it is off the bat. Go and ahead. And I think this is the so maybe we should just, like this is the problem is people treat crypto like it is an investment or it is a stock and it's talked about that way. Like I think of Bitcoin and Maker in terms of how much money I have in it. Whereas when I'm buying that website last night, Ethereum is used as – it is it is currency, right? Like I'm trading Ethereum. There's actually two things here. There's a currency okay. and there's a blockchain. All right, let's start the with the blockchain. blockchain. Explain the blockchain to me yeah, like yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. So the blockchain is the tech that has everybody hyped over the future. The blockchain is essentially – if I were to simplify it, it would be next-gen internet. It is – basically the internet it's just ran a different way it's a giant uh, conglomerate of computers running algorithms processing transactions at the end of the day um to understand blockchain the best is to take a step back and look at what we're already using so for our debit cards and our credit cards we swipe on a transaction and that goes into a huge process of about like can be 10 to 13 different companies. And the reason for this is to create trust for us. These companies go out, they they grab our identity, they verify so many different things to verify who we are, how much money we have, whether or not we're able to spend that money, follow all these regulations. So all those the, so all those annoying like stop signs and email verification man. codes and all that stuff was security for my protection and, and the blockchain is is built to be a lot more secure. Essentially, the so basically with the, the the credit card, debit card, you know, you swipe your card. The middleman go look through all this stuff. They do all the approving that they need to do, and three days later, you know, you you're you have a settlement in your bank account. Now, if you wanted to do something, say a little bit crazier, you wanted to send some money to a different country. Well, you got to go through all the same process. It might take a little bit longer now, uh, but they're going to take like ten. 20% of uh, that cut, just to move it there. Now, blockchain, the whole point of blockchain is getting rid of that middleman. Um, instead, it's, it's going to be what's called P2P or peer-to-peer, in which our transactions, like say I'm you mowed my lawn and I want to give you $5, I don't need to w- send this through 13 companies to give to you, which is one, protecting my identity, 
Two, it's protecting uh, arguably my my wealth that I have because I'm not going to take such a, a cut out of that. We're not going to talk about Ethereum right now because it's a special case. Um, but that at the basic level is the ultimate goal here. The blockchain can replace – it is a just a giant public ledger. So every transaction is marked and it's publicly – available anyone can audit there's no third but no, no third parties no one to pay off don't have to get rid of your identity or give it up because i mean think about it uh think about target what happened to target target had um a facility server right and that was just a server for them to just look at like their air conditioning and stuff and see make sure the temperature was working well people hacked into that and bridged from that little facility server into their main server which had all their credit card transactions, which because they had stolen all of our identity with all these transactions, you were at risk if you made one transaction within the last five years. Right, because uh, because I had done business with Target, I had given them my credit card information and I had swiped it. They had that, yep. in, and so they store it as opposed to blockchain where that is, that is, is it anonymous? And it's stored because I mean the thing about well, like, the thing when I put right my email now, in last night they're like if you put your email into here it's never coming out of the blockchain and you better make sure it's a good email that you know so so that's not true in the sense of blockchain doesn't need a lot of this information it doesn't need to know who you are or what we call KYC which is knowing your customer um, any U.S. banker I'm going to argue that any bank in the whole world must follow regulation to know who you are. And that is the biggest requirement that is not needed in blockchain at all. In order for me to send something to you, I just need your wallet address, which your wallet itself, now not to be confused with an exchange like Coinbase or Binance, the wallet itself is essentially a bank. It is holding your funds. That's the entire point of it. But it has no tie to you or who you are. It doesn't need your email. It doesn't need your name. doesn't need your phone number. doesn't need any kind of like what street you lived on when you were in first grade, you know. Um, there's not much identity to steal, but you know, if you did enough work, you could potentially find out someone who someone was. So every transaction I make goes onto the public ledger. You can find my wallet and see all the transactions that I've made. Now, if you put your work, you put your work in and you see all these transactions and all ties back and it's speculative. Maybe this might be me, but at the end of the day, you don't know. And maybe I gave that wallet away. Okay. So all right, let's continue on what is the blockchain and let's have everybody else weigh in. What is a and that was a very simple way to explain it, but like what is another way to explain what blockchain is that will the average person I got another will, one. Yeah. Uh, let let's I, have everybody weigh in then we'll come back to you and then Okay. So, Galt, Reinhold, think, Harry, go go ahead, Galt. Um one 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 way I think that libertarians will understand it because this is a libertarian show um is we, we look at markets and how the government is involved and how that um, that always gets in the way of innovation and progress, right, in every market. Um, think about the finance market for a moment and, and how that's set up and how regulated and how controlled that market is with money and banks and, and, the, and payment processors and the entire market of finance. And then crypto is decentralizing that. There is no, there's no central authority. It is the same thing. It has all of those pieces. It has payment processors. It has store uh, wallets that are like banks. It has centralized exchanges to let you move it around. Um, but it's decentralized. It's, it's, it's 
I mean, in modern times, it's really the greatest example of of a libertarian marketplace, of, of a free marketplace. Um, so how do I? How do? All right, that's a great way to explain it. So you know, there's no Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. There's no Goldman there's no Sachs. You know, yep. if 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 I were to explain the consumer banking industry in a simple way, I'd say there's the Federal Reserve and Congress, which manage the U.S. dollar, which is then pumped into is used in many different ways. Right. But there's there's, you know, commercial banks like Goldman Sachs that work with businesses and help fund and distribute the Fed's dollars. And they go to smaller banks, local branches that you would work with. Um, and the branches where you touch your money and and it's managed by one of those bigger commercial banks. And then uh, there, there's a bunch of different branches off of that stuff, right? So essentially what you guys are saying is the blockchain is like the Federal Reserve, the government, the maybe even the commercial commercial banks that kind of manages – the overall operations of the, the transactions and, and helps back the operations of the banks. You know, so think of like Coinbase, aka an exchange, as a as a New York as a, um, a New York Stock Exchange or a Nasdaq, and then. Your wallet, so I have a Coinbase wallet, is kind of like my bank branch. But then there's also all kinds of different ways that the blockchain is used. So the U.S. dollar and the Federal Reserve, therefore, kind of, you know, there's a bunch of offshoots of that blockchain. Like blockchain isn't necessarily – it's not about currency. It's it's a technology and a – a decentralization of that centralization of power in the Federal Reserve. Did did I come close? Yeah. Yeah, pretty dang close. Okay. All right. Harry, Reinhold, I mean, you guys weigh in. I know you're both you both work in tech. Like w- was I close? Like did you how would you explain the blockchain and and some of everything that's going on Harry? I know you're chomping at the bit. Go ahead. Not really chomping at the bit. The one thing I want to comment on is like uh I, I don't think like blockchain is going to make a second internet. I think like a lot of people, a lot of technology claims out there to do a second internet. I think the internet is, I think the one thing that will make the internet better is which is to get our protocol. So it's be, you know, like encrypted. And that is one thing that, uh, uh, well, what like, uh, uh, this type of cryptography can help us with. Now let's now, stop there. Okay. What is a protocol? I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. Protocols. Let's think about, uh, these are these, old school like technical things that are used on the network on the wire so what we're going to do so the things that we're using to transmit like our communications are using like these old school like protocols like a protocol that everyone uses every day is email yeah like a a what vincent that what did you say vincent Uh, a good way to describe it is a protocol is like a language uh okay a type of go ahead yeah. And they're federated protocols out there that everyone uses to connect to the internet. The main one that everyone uses that becomes the standards for use of the internet is called TCP IP. And that's what everyone uses. Now, and that's a great piece of tech and reason. And, but they had some issues with it because when it was in creative, you know, processors and RAM was, and storage was like a huge commodity at them. So it's also not encrypted. So everything that transfers through the network or through the wires, everything has to know your destination and where you came from. 
And it's known to anyone. If you know how to open up the system, you can have it. And I think building a secondary net was to get rid of that and so you can hide it. So you can send an email and no one besides the person who got it knows about it. That'd be, be an amazing piece of tech. And that, to me, could be transfers of the net. And that goes off to my other things about like with uh, the blockchain in general. But the blockchain, what it really does is basically, on, to me, is to, I use a way to explain it on the simplest form. It's It allows you to trust sending money to someone where you the in between um you know you don't care how it gets there it just got there you're like i just want to send someone five dollars but i don't know how to do it without having to go through a bank or something else and i need to be able to trust someone so like that same type of trust that if you're sitting at a uh, at the ballpark this is probably pre-covid i was probably gonna do this right now for a while is that I, I bought a hot dog from the hot dog vendor and i get passed around five different people by trusting not to take chomps out of my hot dog and i got my hot dog okay um reinhold do you want to weigh in um, just, I guess I just want to kind of go a little bit more. I'm, I'm more knowledgeable about the tech than I am about how we use crypt, you know, crypto te- uh, currencies and bitcoins and things like that for um, buying things and trading. That's that's kind of where I've kind of stayed out of it for the most part. But the technology, you know, I understand the technology and the you know prime numbers and the the blockchain and how all that kind of encryption and stuff works. But um, I think a lot of people are probably coming to this who, who may not be familiar with the technology and familiar with what Bitcoin is. And they just keep hearing about it on the news. And I think a lot of people just want to know what a Bitcoin is. Like if you have a dollar, you can pull a dollar out of your wallet and you can hold it up and say, this is a dollar. I have a dollar. It's physical. I have it. It's there. And the idea of a virtual tech uh, currency, I think is what, turns a lot of people away from the technology turns a lot of people away from what's happening it seems like it's just funny money and people trying to take advantage of each other well um, that's that's a great point because that's exactly why i didn't i i mean i was never an early believer in in any of this i mean in 2013 a guy came along and said hey i want to explain this to your audience and i'll give you a bitcoin if you let me do it because he had you know it was basically advertising and at the time like it was like a couple hundred bucks you know so i was like a uh, whole bitcoin yeah a whole bitcoin wow and you said no and i said no oh no because i thought it was all baloney and it was was a down payment on your house and then (laughs) it was and then in like and then it went up to a thousand i was like man i should have i should have taken that bitcoin and then it crashed to like 190 and i was like see i'm right Uh, (sighs) well i would have loved for it to be thirty six hundred dollars thirty six thousand dollars like forget 62 like 36 would have been but you know and i think (laughs) in the beginning if you listen to a lot of those older shows in 12 and 13 i was like all right there may i see the promise but i don't get it and that's always kind of been like my argument on the show with harry is the the real world (laughs) even if this is the future the real world right now offers so many easy ways to interact with it whereas some of this stuff is complicated and hard to explain and people don't get it and and like what i would say is there's not enough critical mass yet to to use the technology to really like as a small creator of a of a media brand that doesn't have a lot of income you know that has less than you know 
we we barely make profit and our our income in the month monthly incomes in the in the low thousands right so we don't have a lot of money to invest in technology that will will get us to where we need to be but over the last 5 years i would say especially there has been a lot of people investing in this space and so paul krugman writes this article this past week saying 10 years on, look at how it's failed. There's no, like, we're not using this as money. You're still using the dollar. What's the point of crypto? It's just a libertarian fantasy. And the obvious argument to that is that if you have paid attention to it, you know, like you guys, because Vincent, do you, do you have a job? Like, do you just live off of your, your crypto gains? I, I could at this point, but no, I still have a job. Okay. So, you know, he's, he's follows it enough that it, it is becoming somewhat of an industry where people are, you know, like that website I signed up with or Coinbase that just went public on the, on the NASDAQ. Like mm-hmm. there, there is an industry that's starting to build around this. And so I think like Reinhold said, people kind of think of it like funny money, like I did a few years ago, but your, your friends and everybody's kind of talking about it and you start to pay attention and you pay attention over a few years, you start to go, you know what? I think there's like some real promise. Like I, I I saw Maker about a year ago and how Maker like is used to do these transactions for business to business transactions and and pay pay terminals. So you go in so like think like Stripe or um you know the 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 PayPal card that you know the little terminal. What what am I thinking of? The little triangle that would go into your iPad. Square. 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 So yep. like Maker is basically the backbone of a square. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm putting some money in that. Well, I made enough to, to, to like, it put me over the top to get the, uh, to get uh, something you'll find out about later. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say that yet publicly. Um, oh. Hint, hint. Um, but my point is like, Maker is a real technology with real uses, and people are using it, and that's why it's gone from a thousand to four thousand in the span of like six months because people are kind of realizing. And a every newbie like me uses Coinbase, and they offered like a little bit of Maker if you watched about Maker, and that's where I learned about it. I was like that tutorial got me into it because I saw, oh, this isn't just a currency. This is like a this is like investing in a bank basically investing in square early on. So yes. but what instead I, of instead what? of like a bunch of rich guys owning the start of square and mm-hmm. it being funded by venture capitalists and three or four people, it's crowdfunded by people like me who put $50 in. And you're building a business around that. So, exactly. I, like, Galton Vincent just got a little uh, aroused by me yeah. getting that. <laughs> that was a great explanation. It, was, it, it, was it really exactly was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been telling my friends that, I mean, and this is not 100%, but for the stock market, you are buying into the company and the company's future. Um, for a lot of legitimate coins, legitimate crypto, not just the memes and all this crap, but in there, you're, you're arguably paying for the technology slash the team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just funny money. There, there are real uses, and and so like, let's talk about these different currencies because there's like several thousand cryptos, and there's Dogecoin and Bitcoin and Anchor and Compound, and like 
Ethereum and and like the big ones are Bitcoin, Ethereum. You know, there's uh, you know what are what are some what are like the top five that you guys would say? They're all uh, different. They're all yeah. different blockchains. They're all yeah. their own separate <laughs> blockchains. Um, I think in order to explain any of them, I I think you need to explain Bitcoin first and okay. why it's different from the rest. All right. So uh, Harry, you have been accused of being Satoshi. <laughs> are you or are Please, you not Satoshi? You are. <laughs> the, uh, Greg used to accuse you of being Satoshi, and you Satoshi. said, "No, I am indeed not Satoshi." Who is Satoshi, and what is blockchain? Let's start with Harry, and then we'll go around. and And if he misses something, you add to it. Go ahead, Harry. That's that's fine. Um, I'm one of the people that believe that Satoshi, to me personally, I think Satoshi is a, uh, was either a group of people or group Who of... Who is Satoshi first? Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto is the person that was credit, is credited and known as the creator of this type of cryptography known as the blockchain technology. It came up the paper, I was like, I can't remember when, I think it was like 2005 or something like that, when uh, talking about this uh, type of uh, proof of uh, be able to send out the basically the creation of the blockchain. So like has this idea of be able to trust people out in the world, but not be able to talk to them all at the exact same time. So it's more of a just allowing that up, created oh. the technology and started uh, and started Bitcoin. Okay, so everything we're talking about today, maker and compound and blockchains and websites at wearelibertarians.crypto and mm-hmm. you know the 1.5 billion market cap of Dogecoin and it's 11 o'clock. Sorry, that is my uh, computer. And it's 11 o'clock. So and that is, uh, <laughs> my girlfriend yeah, really it, hates that. She's like can you turn that creepy voice off? I'm like, no, it keeps me on schedule. Uh, so, so everything started with this paper written by Satoshi in 2005. Yes, yes, and which is like always surprising to me. Like everyone, like in the space, is that whoever is Satoshi or whoever this person is or whoever she is, it is the idea that someone has kept this idea quiet and the coins really haven't moved, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Cause like, and so it always has all these weird conspiracies. You could do like several episodes on the conspiracy theories alone on who or what or is Satoshi Nakamoto. Like, personally, I think it's, I, I really think whoever Satoshi is or was that they passed away. Honestly, that's the only reason I can see that someone can keep this under wraps and not talk about it. Could you so, imagine you're like the guy that created the 44,000 Bitcoins or whatever it is, and then you die before you, you you're like, oh. at least well, we, JP Morgan got to be a little rich for a while. <laughs> Arguably, that person would be uh, just happy that their technology went out and is being mm-hmm. used versus the price it actually is. No, I want to be rich. I don't care about my technology. I just I want Wall to flourish, but I also want to be rich while Wall flourishes. So let's be honest. Like uh, you guys, I love that we have hosts that embrace the Wall brand and and profit. I want to profit. I want to make money at this. So that's good. That's good. Uh, well, the other the, the other thing is like the there's no like clue. Like no one knew that cryptocurrency was going to get as big as it has. Is there a lot of emotion in the market? It is, and gotten it as big as it is, as quickly as it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it honestly reminds me, so I read uh, the day the bubble burst about the 1928 crash, and it, the, the environment right now reminds me a lot of that book, because everybody was buying little bits of stocks on margins, and, you know, the the bubble eventually burst, but it was a lot of people who didn't know what they were doing. And when the when it came time to get out, the the whales got out. You know the 
the Elon Musk's sold their parts of Bitcoin in a pump and dump and then left the little guy who has $25 in their account holding the bag. So that's, I think, a big danger with this. And so there's always reasons to cancel cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, right? So it uses too much energy and it poor people get poorer because of playing in it and blah, 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 blah. And like there's a million reasons why the media and, and uh, you know, people who love the Federal Reserve and believe that, you know, they're in charge, uh, tell you not yeah, to play in this space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if Janet you care about Yellen. the energy consumption, please get off the internet right now. Just turn it off. Just just, turn just go. Just get, get out and would, would just be live nice in the wilderness. It'd be nice to be able to afford a good video card these days. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right, though, Spangle. There, there are a lot of risks, and um, I, that's why I really like this this audience here because um, we some some people look at risks and they say, "I want someone to protect me from that and stop that." And we, uh, we, or people like us, look at risks and say we need to do our own research and protect ourselves. Yeah, and and that's what exactly what you need to do if you're going to put any money, even even fifty dollars, into this space. You need to do your own research and not listen to us and not listen to your friend and not buy some meme coin there that everyone's screaming about on the internet. And you need to do your own research and not and that because those risks are yours and yours alone to take. And nobody's going to protect you in a decentralized market like this. No, we have we have seen over the last year a very real incarnation of the two different types of people: the people who recognize that risks exist, and you're not. And we have how many times have I said this on the show, Galt? You are not guaranteed to walk out your front door and come back, and there is no law that can protect you and save you from that position. I've said it since 2012 because it it's just the truth and. Trying to control other people to reduce your risk is is completely immoral. And so we're at a point now like with, with vaccine technologies and the vaccine rollout and numbers in COVID where it's safe to go out for, for the most part and you have a therapy to protect yourself. And it isn't April 2020 anymore. It's May 2021 and the facts have changed and we need to all adjust our risk parameters, right? So some of us thought, oh, okay, this isn't as much of a risk and my personal risk threshold is here and I'll go to Florida in July. And other people said my personal risk threshold is I need to stay home because I have other people to care for. That spectrum needs to be respected by all and needs to, you know, and so this is the same way, right? Some people do either of you, Vincent or Galt, want to say how many thousands of dollars you're down this week? <laughs> I will say I'm down almost 50%. I won't yeah, say a so, number, but yeah. I'm down 50% of my money in, in a week. Now, yes. is that money that you are down down, or is that gains that profit. you've made, that you've the profit I, that you shed? Everything, yeah, everything is based off of the United States dollars, so it's measured in U.S. dollars. So in U.S. dollars, I am down 50%. If I measure my uh, crypto in Bitcoin, I'm only down maybe 5%, 10%. So it's kind of interesting. It, it all depends on the measure you're using. But obviously, most people and most normal people in, in existence right now use the United States dollar as the For measure. Now. But but yeah, I, I believe that may change one day. No, I mean, it's stellar. X, and, XLM uh, is backed by the Ukrainian government, is it not? 
um, used yeah, by the and, government. And there's XSGD is Singapore, and there are other there are other um, national currencies that are blockchain technology now. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I mean, I think we will go there one day, maybe as a global currency. Um, but we'll see. No, the human, you always have to think about, and this is a core tenet of libertarianism and, and the right and natural rights tradition, right? So, you know, it's Thomas Sowell's constrained vision, his conflict of visions, right? So in, in his book, the, the he explains that there are two visions of government and society, right? People in the libertarian world tend to look at human nature as it is and then... Uh, work around that or work with that as opposed to looking at we can perfect this behavior through law. And, you know, when it comes to human behavior, everything is about optimization to reduce scarcity. That is the core principle of human behavior. If you look through history, if you look at economics, every single person listening to this show wants to get more money as fast as possible to reduce their risk, to provide for their comforts, to provide for their security. And blockchain offers a way to do that faster. And so the people who are in charge of the current system through the Federal Reserve System are hesitant about blockchain because it's so new. But once, and this is starting to happen, they realize they can make their transactions much faster than with an ACH, right? So I'm waiting on a, on a payment from... Uh, one service, you know, and I know that they dispersed the funds on the 20th. It's May 22nd. I still haven't gotten my paycheck because it's got to go through the banks that Vincent was talking about. What happens when banks realize that they can do this instantly because of the blockchain? So you're starting to see Chase and some of these other banks get into it, aren't you, Vincent and Galt? Yeah, that's you asked about top five cryptos. That's one of them. I would say is XRP, and 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 every crypto has its use case. But that's that's literally the problem XRP tries to solve is is liquidity between banks. It, it's not made for people. It's made for yeah. institutions and, and and moving money across borders quickly. And um, and the the like Vince was describing the process that that is now and how slow it is and how costly it is. And, um, that, and that's why, that's why XRP is so big. And I mean, you've probably heard of Ripple, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the one that Coinbase stopped trading because of some yes. SEC, SEC investigation? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and why do you think the SEC would investigate a company that want, <laughs> that that's, or, or a blockchain that that's main purpose is to solve liquidity problems between banks and, and like, on uh, an uncontrollable way, right? No shit. They're in, using in government force to way. reduce competition. I, that would never happen. You shut up. Yeah. You can see why the SEC wouldn't like that, or or at least want to challenge it, right? And right. that's what they did. That's why they're doing that. Uh, okay, so Bitcoin comes out, and there's a finite amount of Bitcoins, and then you mine it. Can someone explain to me what is mining? Because it's been in the news, because that's the phony baloney use case that elon said well i'm dumping bitcoin i'm not using it because of the energy usage what right. is what is mining what what is this concept harry with how many bitcoins are there and what is mining and what's what's all that about when people are designing and creating your own like a uh, crypto like you can basically put in a limit on how many coins can be mined from it. If you have an issue with that, you can go ahead and fork the coin, fork the coin or fork the, the network. But I don't recommend doing that. Uh, 
<laughs> but there's a what limit is on it. Forking the network. Don't worry about that. We'll, do, we'll get to that forking. You're making your own copy. Okay. All right. <laughs> but what the thing with it, what we want to talk about is like uh, the, the mining. So what it is, is if you think about it, the cryptography is just a series of numbers. Almost like if you look at the little thing on the back, let's say that thing is just like a puzzle piece with numbers on it. And it's a puzzle that you have to solve. Well, what solves puzzles fast? Computers. Basically, all like, especially good CPUs that are doing it. It was CPUs solving these mathematical codes and unlocking, basically unwrapping um, these boxes. And they would sit there and go like, ah, cool, there was a coin inside. Cool, I've got a coin. Orbs, nothing. Okay. And, and it's the computers are just doing that, but they're doing it blazing fast. So that's basically on a basic sense of what those, G- when you see those things of GPs, it's just basically this thing solving puzzles pieces really, really quickly to uncover things to hopefully they find coins. Okay, somebody, somebody, somebody ex- else explain my. Go ahead, Vincent. I just want to uh, say real quick that the the incentive for the miners to uh, basically crunch through these algorithms is they get a little bit of that Bitcoin or whatever blockchain that they're helping uh, crunch. Um, and so, you know, Chris was talking about he had to pay an Ethereum gas fee in order to get his domain. Well, that is because the people who are mining they get a little bit of their cut. So all that gas fee goes to the miners crunching all that stuff out. Okay, so like I've got to pay the guy who pulled the diamond out of the mine in South Africa. Allegedly, I have to pay them. They're supposed to be paid. (laughs) Unfortunately, right now, because of uh, network upgrades and a huge, huge upgrade happening with Ethereum and protecting it, they temporarily increased gas fees to a pretty crazy high right now to discourage some some things that I'm gonna be honest with you I I'm not like balls deep in, in the technical upgrade of the blockchain itself but speaking of balls speaking of balls over deep the gas fees and increased them so so speaking of balls deep Galt where did you buy that couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny. I got it for free, man. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you found it on the side of the road, of course. Uh, Just outside of a, an Arizona office complex or <laughs> uh, That was from a casting shoot, I, I think. Okay. Can you clean so, that off? Go ahead, Reinhold. So um a little bit more into the mining and what mining is and why this is a big deal as far as energy consumption is, is that, okay, so there's, okay. there's a certain number, you have you have the blockchain as a, a large cryptography, you know, chain of numbers and things like that. And you can do, the way cryptography works is that it's easy to multiply prime numbers, but it's very, very, very difficult to factor them back out again. So quickly, we can encrypt things and decrypt things if we know the codes, you know, the keys on either side to decrypt it because we know what it is. But if you don't know and you're trying to figure it out, you have to factor prime numbers out of the um, the mathematics. And that takes a lot more resources. It It can take for like a 128 bits, you know, we could be looking at a, you know, 20 years at current technology to, to uh, break that, that crypto cryptography. Right. Um, So that's the hard part. That's the, that's the math part of it. Right. So um, the, the normal functionality and and that's why encryption is, is fairly well protected means of communication because it takes a lot of effort to break that. Usually what you do when you break cryptography is you break a, a 
a failure in the writing of the code of the original um, encryption technology, right? So that the way the different cryptography is put together, um, people make mistakes. Somebody finds an exploit and they break it. It's not because they break the the hard math on the factoring of the primes on it, right? So what the what the miners are doing are they putting together these big computer systems? A lot of times they're just using video cards or using uh, a bunch of things just wired together with the focus of quickly running through these calculations in order to find a hit. And when you get a hit, when you actually can factor that information, um, do you you get you gain a bitcoin or you gain a coin out of the cryptography? What, what do you so have? What, what is what are you these big computer systems trying to run through that code? Harry, what Harry's are you, what cradling are you... his GPU. <laughs> Old Jed GPU. I just want to upgrade. Uh, Please let me upgrade my hey, GPUs. Hey, upgrade. I'm sorry. I thought you were 3090, man. <laughs> what? What is? So why can't you get a video card? What is a GPU? Why is this? The, the miners. <laughs> yeah, the miners are using uh, graphics cards, higher end graphics cards to okay. chain them together to do these mining yeah. machines. If you're and not, the problem is, is that so many people are buying. So all, all these people are buying them for mining. That the the cost of buying one is now through the roof if you can find one because yeah. they're just off out of stock they can only make them so fast so what yeah, what right. was it is with the covid and especially with covid forward. the manufacturing yeah. has slowed down a lot so mm-hmm. what is it about g why gpus <sighs> uh, what is it about that piece of the computer exactly. equipment that that well, it can it can it, solve those all if you didn't follow reinhold and what he was talking about with with the math and the cryptology it's basically that that the blockchain is a think of it as a ledger and, and those problems they're solving are transactions. Mm. Um, you, you, if I want to send money to you, like I did the other day, that gas fee, that, that they solve that problem. It's encrypted and sent through the blockchain. And then the computer solves that problem and, and sends it to all the rest of the computers. So the, it, they all have the same ledger and, and, and it's confirmed that way. And uh, that fee that, that I paid you, that I paid to send that to you, Spangle. That was that that goes to the miners to do that problem. Okay, so I'm paying somebody to use their computer to solve my math problem, and so it's not yep. an annoying fee. It's it's paying for the energy, paying for the the yep. the equipment. It's paying for the solving of that math problem. The computing power it's, right. that's yep. utilized. Right. So that's we used to share CompuServe. We used to timeshare computing power because it was so expensive to do and it's kind of that sort of thing again where we're trying to um find a way to to fund this okay okay i want to i want to do a a bunch of things in the next like five minutes or so i don't want to i you know we're i want to start wrapping up but i want to um first like try to to break down like what are some of the top coins and then i want to explain how to not lose your shirt on fees how do you guys do it how do you interact like Fees are a big deal. So let's start with those those other coins besides Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the first. There's a finite amount. You're mining for those coins. Are all cryptocurrencies like that? Or how did some of these different, like, what is Ethereum? What is Doge? What is Tezos? And what are some of these other ones that you see? And while you do that, I'm going to go get some cheese for my associate producer and more orange juice. <laughs> um well you want to go with events um that, i mean yeah, I, there are many different yeah. coins there are i mean not every blockchain uses mining um uh some of them use staking or um mm-hmm. to yep. 
to do the transactions, which is just basically shareholders that are invested in the platform. Um, but um, I don't know Real what quick, points you want to talk that, about. I just want to say that Bitcoin is different than everything else because Bitcoin was made one first, created the, the, the technology, but the dev team is either gone, missing in action, dead. Bitcoin is what we have. Mm-hmm. Everything, people who are mining it um, can only mine so much for right now. And then here in three years, they're only going to get half. And then three to four years from that, they're only going to get half of that. So Bitcoin is becoming extremely scarce. No one can change it. No one can really do anything. So the best way to describe Bitcoin is digital gold. And I mean that in a literal sense of it, it's it's gold. It cannot it can't be like uh messed with i mean arguably its biggest risk would be being hacked and stuff like that but moving on from that point the number two coin is ethereum and i'd say 90 percent of its value is because of its team that is constantly developing and getting better and revolutionizing stuff and right now we mentioned that you know the gas fees are really high and we're paying miners to do these these um these transactions but ultimately it all ties back into ethereum the reason why the gpus are uh in short supply is because ethereum is over two thousand dollars so mining just a itty bitty of it can give you hundreds of dollars um whereas you know just a few months ago ethereum was five seven hundred dollars mining a little bit of it only gave you like tens of dollars and stuff that's ultimately what's happening there however Ethereum is in the process of moving to a proof of stake model in which there's no more miners. There's no people with computers um, calculating these these um, transactions. Instead, a little get it gets a little bit more technical, and you use your coin to basically validate the rest of the blockchain. To simplify the term like that, and the whole point of this is to remove miners, remove all this power it takes to do each transaction, um, and when that takes place. Um, so I, w- I would I'd say that current uh, timeline is Ethereum's going to switch over to staking in in July at the, at the end of July is that what everyone's heard here? Yep, and um, it'll be a lot ca- cheaper. Yep, when that happens, one we'll get rid of all of our gas fees, but two you'll you'll notice a huge crash in GPU supply as everyone is selling all their GPUs because they can no longer make money because the big cash cow the golden goose is no longer paying out. Uh, at all. Okay, so what what is staking? What because I've seen this on Coinbase that staking's coming and you can get involved. But uh, if you if you explain that, I missed it. So can you just really yeah, no, quickly repeat that? At yeah. a very basic level, you take the coins that you have, you loan it out to probably a node or some major partnership with this dev team um, that's just helping run the network, um, and you loan your coins out, and those coins essentially on a sim- simple uh, level are validating the rest of the blockchain. So they're doing the whole, like, uh, um, you know, clearing each transaction, making sure that they're not fake, um, everything's legit, um, and that the the transactions are being pushed through, but they're being validated against coins that are already there. So basically, just imagine you have uh, a big math equation, and your coins are a tiny little bit of the math equation, but you can use your math equation to figure out the rest. And because of that, you can be paid for your little tiny bit, and it removes the whole, you know, environmental impact of each and individual people mining with their computers. And instead, we can potentially work with the nodes that are already there 
and remove a large portion of the environmental footprint. Uh, okay, so that's going to take away some of the concerns that an Elon has that is being exactly. basically yeah. like the the people who, you know, the global exactly. warming COVID people are looking at Bitcoin and crypto and blockchain and going, we need, we need to get well, rid of this. Well, uh, in, in, but, if you read what Elon said, he said Bitcoin has environmental problems. He did not say blockchain because right. Bitcoin, like Vince said, doesn't have developers and people that are, that are advancing it and changing it to proof of stake like Ethereum is. Uh, other blockchains do not have that problem. Well, but, some, but to, some may, but, but to it, the it's contro- not inherent across the board. Yeah, but to the controlling Karens and the media and, and other places, they they didn't they they didn't they don't know the distinction so it's all right. all point is crypto right yeah, all crypto needs to go away so i didn't quite understand staking um it, it, it's not that vincent didn't do a good job but can somebody explain it to me a little simpler or in a different way reinhold i think it'd be more like buying a stock in a company right mm. and then as the company grows and and uses the money that you 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 know use to purchase that stock to to do things and get better and and function they return some of that back to you okay over time so it's kind of the same thing a, a computing seeing, a computing I, dividend if you will right and what right. i'm seeing though is that we're kind of starting to centralize a little bit of the decentralization with the with the um the different you know like coinbase and that sort of thing um so i mean like like you said, to get Ethereum though, you have the the selling point of that is that the the tech team is good and you trust them and you want to you know make sure that they function and get better. But at that point, then we start going into now we're trying to trust these groups as opposed to it being the original idea was that everybody was their own individual and they owned their own thing and everybody took care of themselves, right? So as as society starts getting into this it's going to start looking more and more like current systems that are out there, I think. Go so ahead, Vincent. you agree with that? Definitely Vincent? right. The biggest yeah. problem with crypto and starting off and that no one really wants to talk about is in order for your coin to work, to really truly work, it must go through a centralization period. Arguably, the perfect coin, let's just pick Ethereum, they're working on it, they've developed it, they believe it it can do everything that it needs to do from here on out, then the dev team would walk away and arguably find a way to um, publicly show that they do not have access to their controlling wallets anymore. This would be the perfect coin because at that point, it's truly decentralized. It can't change it anymore. It's on its own. It's, it's a new Bitcoin, essentially. Um, but that doesn't really happen um, in most coins. So, yes, that is that is actually a true fear that... You know, the decentralized, what is the decentralization when we're just centralizing into the dev team? That is a very valid concern. Yep. Okay, so Dash. Uh, what is Dashcoin? What is DAI? What is, you know, we explained Maker earlier, like, uh, you know, um, I, let me ask this, okay? What are, like, Galt and Vincent, Harry, Reinhold, you weigh in if you want. Like, give me your top two favorite coins. Not the ones. Oh. Give me the one that makes sense. Like, you got to own Ethereum because it's going to go from two to 30,000 in five years. Like, the the one that your head says. But what's what's your heart coin? I like, oh, you said top two? Yeah, just give me two or three. Yeah. All right. My first is uh, Polygon Matic. 
I like Matic um, is the ticker symbol Matic. It is uh, the solution for Ethereum scalability problems, which is um, the one problem Ethereum has right now is it can't handle the amount of people and volume that are pushing through it. Polygon fixes that problem basically. And then uh, my second favorite coin is Zilliqa. Um, Zilliqa is great. You can hold it long term. You can stake it and earn 15% um, returns on your on your Zill. So if the price doesn't change all year, I still make 15%. I love Zilliqa. They have a great team. Um, they have their own contract language and everything it's totally separate from from everything else how, how does it like uh, so i've seen like in coinbase like tezos and some of these die they have like guaranteed percentages how do you how do they guarantee that i'm going to get four percent of my money back in the next well, year well because you understood how it worked with mining right and how they get paid right right they take those transaction fees proof of stake is the same thing that your money is verifying transactions on the blockchain so they split up those transaction fees to the stakers and that's what that is. That money is those transaction fees split up between all of the stakeholders. And that would be you if you stake. Okay. So you, you get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vincent, what, what, like, what's your head coin and what's your heart coin? Well, uh, Chris kind of took mine that I was going to say. Um, so I, will want, I do want to add one last thing to Zillica um, because this is my biggest bag and everything. One thing that's really unique about Zill um, is they do mining and staking at a 60-40 split. Um, so miners get 60% of the all, I guess, federally reserved printed coins, and uh, the the stakers get 40%. Um, on top of that, they also have smart contracts, but like many people, um, unlike everybody else, though, they have error-correcting smart tracks, smart contracts so if something were to go uh go wrong network issues just weird buy or whatever zilla can can actually like roll back a little bit correct the issue and still send it through mm. um in, in a you know crazy circumstance my other coins since uh chris talked about the two would have to be i think theta is going to be a huge coin and basically theta is the idea of at simplistic terms, Twitch on a blockchain. That's that's Theta. Um, and one of the, the cool concepts of blockchain is, so we're getting rid of that middleman, right? Then we don't have to pay people, and it allows content creators to be the um, the owners of the content that they create. I mean, just think, you know, you got to go to the record label, and you make a song, and that song has had a million listens you know say like 1970s you'd probably get paid about thirty five thousand dollars from that maybe right today you get like thirty five dollars you know what i mean and that that is a moving go pulse it keeps moving as we grow as a planet and more people are listening and tapping into that product but that's not determined by the content creators it's determined by the the people that actually market and push that content out whereas like People are getting heat for it, but NFTs allow a a artist to come in, make their picture or song, and now, in a way, that song is the business, not the artist, the song itself. So people want to use that song for the commercial. They'll have to contact, arguably, this NFT for the ownership of it, um, and it just gets rid of – it gets rid of the middlemen, but it also puts a little bit more weight on you to handle your own marketing and your own distribution and all that stuff like that. But ultimately, this gets this takes 
so many industries and puts it back into the hands of the people actually creating the value, essentially. Harry, what are what are your uh, top two and why? I will say that uh, um, I barely get NFTs, which makes me just want to go get a bunch because I don't understand it. But uh, you know, but that's but that's for me. But like, uh, all right. So my head coin, um, the one I really like is like Horizon, formerly Zencash, just because I like the idea of being able to send people uh, things on the blockchain, so it's trusted. But no one knows who I sent it to. They just see that at my wallet or a wallet, or I just send things to my wallet. No one knows anything about it. I like that idea, the original idea, like of the the anonymous transaction of cryptocurrency. I like that idea. Uh, will everyone want to use this as like a store value and asset? No, I see. see I would really like it more. Keep continually getting built just for that and that be able to send private communications and sending money privately, or just you know be able to trade that asset class. The other one I like I want to talk about is uh, I still like Dash. I think the idea of Dash is neat. I don't know if it actually will continue to keep going on with, but the idea is like the idea of the this decentralized platform of the everything is like all with the, everyone in the micro the miners, everyone has to get together and vote, and it's, there's really no one in charge of it. The idea of that is neat. I don't really know if it'll get to where it needs to be ever. But I think that the idea of being out there, being people playing with that idea, it's I don't know that little 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 inner anarchist of mine is just like mm, this is awesome. <laughs> Sounds like your um, your associate producer is also a big fan of Dash and is cheering it along there in the background. <laughs> um, it'll it, it'll be very wholesome when our our associate producers get to play at the pool party together. Yes. Um, yeah. What when are we going to sell Galt punching Creighton as an NFT? What do you think? Or maybe you know Bittner with his little. Uh, <laughs> His little shoes. <laughs> I'll buy it if you make it holographic. <laughs> Reinhold, do you have like a favorite coin of yours? I do not. As opposed uh, to everybody on here, I probably um, am one, the one without the wallet, as it were. Are, are you? You, do, you don't seem like a crypto coin. person at all. Are you not a crypto guy at all? Oh, I, I I'm a huge crypto guy. I gave an hour. Um, presentation on the history and the science behind cryptography just a few years ago at a users group. I mean, I, I understand the technology. The problem was, I think, so there's a local guy on the radio here called Pete the Planner who does a lot of planning for uh, financial success, right? And I was listening to him the other day and he was, they were talking about Bitcoin and he's just like, you know, I think part of the problem is that I didn't recognize the potential for Bitcoin when it first came along. So I didn't jump on it. And now that it's successful, I resent it and I don't want to be involved in it. You know, it's kind of, I want, I want to see it fail. I want to, I want it to <laughs> crash and burn and everybody just, and I can point and laugh and say, <laughs> that, so, that's sort of, back in 2007, 2008, I, I had the opportunity. I was doing a lot of cryptography back in the day. I could have said, Hey, I want to buy some Bitcoin for like $20 a coin. It was very, 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 very cheap back then. But my mind's like, this isn't going anywhere. This is just, I would just be giving somebody 20 bucks or it wouldn't, you know, what's the point? And I, I couldn't make myself do it. And, you know, sitting here now and looking at the price and going, yeah, I could be retired right now. Um, kind of puts a damper on me wanting to get into it now. But um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to break myself of that mentality because, uh, I need to find, you know, I think everybody should find different ways to diversify how they're doing their 
uh, investments in their future and making their money. And I guess my big question would be like uh, from Vincent and Chris, what do you do every day? What do you do to make money? I mean, what physically do you just, you know, you open up uh, a wallet and you just say, okay, now I'm going to do the staking or I'm going to do this here or this there. What it, basically, what do you do and how do you see those gains coming? Well, and I think that's really kind of what we want to see. Right now, the the space is really expanding in De- DeFi, decentralized finance. And, and you know, Spangle, if he wants to buy a crypto right now, he goes to Coinbase and he buys a crypto. Um, there are ways to buy cryptos now that are decentralized platforms that aren't owned by a company like that. And and because those that that area is expanding and there's all kinds of new ones launching every week. Um, there's what I'm doing to make money is something called yield farming. And basically I take my collateral and I put it onto one of these new platforms that's launching one of these new decentralized exchanges. And I farm the fees that people, when people trade on there, I farm the fees and, 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 uh, I don't get cash. I don't get more of my coin. I, I get every, every exchange has its own token. And, um, so I, I, am farming on Moscow finance right now for Moscow tokens or, um, you know, like it, 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 they're always something different, but then I can take those Moscow's and I can sell them. I can, um, t- buy more Bitcoins with them. I can reinvest those back into the farm and make m- and farm more fees. So that's the way I'm doing it right now. Um, and 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 because it's blowing up so fast, I mean, there's something new every almost every day. Um, it, it, it's uh, awesome. kind of crazy how you have to stay up on it, um, or or you mean to to maximize your 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 gains. Yeah, sort of but, like the so. the growth of we are libertarians. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of way way it sounds like to me is it's like it's like the stock market and the fact that you can stake or buy shares. And that sort of thing, and, and you can get return back on the investment. Um, you're really kind of just trading against mo- the value of the money over time. Is that what we're doing? The, the value of the coin over time, as opposed to yeah. like a business. So if you if you invest in Disney when they're first getting started, and then they blow up, you're going to regain a lot of profit from that, right? By selling right. Off the, you have that the, same thing here. It would just be like you know, it's called spot. So you just you buy a token, you believe in its future, you hold on to it, that's it. And then you check on it here in three years. That would be the most basic form of trading. When, when, when what, some of these ahead. marketplaces are, are small. Some of yeah. these marketplaces are small. And everyone, everyone here understands how supply and demand works. Yeah. So it, it, it's literally just that. On a bigger marketplace, your purchase and your sale is going to make a little impact. In a very small marketplace, your purchase and your sale is going to make a huge impact on the price. So it's just it's just supply and demand. That's why Dogecoin is what it is and became what it was, was because people didn't want to sell it for, for 40 cents and people wanted to buy it all the way up to 60 cents. So people just kept buying it and keep buying it. And the more buy, there was way more buyers than sellers. And that's why... It, it did what it did. And that's why you see these crazy gains. It's just, it's supply and demand. So what what I'm seeing right now is that, so it's kind of like doing stock markets, like doing other things, but it's where the volatility is. It's where the higher ups and downs are. Right. So like the stock market is for the most part, pretty well stable in, in a way so that you're not having huge wild swings. Whereas in some of these coin bases or, 
crypto technologies, you have a you can have a wild swing back and forth. You can do pump and dumps. You can earn money on speculation a lot quicker and sooner and see that profit in a much shorter period of time as opposed to uh, a long haul 401k or something. That's would would the government be able to regulate? Is basically my opinion. Elon Musk used his company to pump and dump Bitcoin. I mean, I don't. I, everybody that I've talked to shares that opinion. Um, Spangle, if Spangle, if they had a way to regulate it, they already would be. The, that's what. Yeah. It, the, that's why. They, I, they yeah, don't okay. know how to do it. Oh, they're trying. They, yeah, they're trying. There's yeah. a lot of people spending a lot of money. Well, that's to that's it out. why we'll we'll talk <laughs> we'll we'll talk in the in the news block about Biden's attempts. Um, why is Doge a joke? Why why is Doge? I mean, is that a smart use of your money, or will it just end up lost in in a wallet or a flood like poor Harry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say controversially that it's not a joke anymore. Okay, why is that controversial? What is it, and why? It- Up until this point, I would say that it was a joke, um, but now it has actual corporate sponsors and partnerships that um, yeah, provide actual utility. Um, so, why was it a joke? What made it a joke? It, but like, if people start accepting Dogecoin as as transfers, I mean, I could see a world where more people are accepting Dogecoin in this immediate future than more people are accepting Bitcoin. And at Dogecoin that point, was originally. Yeah. Do, yeah, go ahead. I'll say Dogecoin was originally more of a, a jokey. Let's anybody can do a oh. crypto chain, blockchain. So somebody yeah, but, said, "Let's do a fun one. Let's do Dogecoin. We just it won't be serious. We'll just we'll just do this hyperinflated. It was one. What happened is is that somebody found it, somebody picked it, and it grew, and Elon. now it's become its own thing. And and really, whatever people believe in that has value is what's going to be the ultimate winner. So, so, so as I, I understand it, it was a joke it? because like cri- Bitcoin had like forty four thousand, but Dogecoin had millions, and so mm-hmm. it's like the amount of gold that backed Doge was so crazy compared to other Bitcoins that it was just kind of like, oh yeah, it's this funny dog, and you know I bought it for point two cents, and now it's point eight right. cents, and I made a ton of money, and then all of a sudden it's point forty two cents, and now everybody's rich unless they're hairy. Is that right? Like, is that why it was a joke? Is because it was just so valueless? It was designed it was, to be yeah. like the Federal Reserve on steroids. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was printing off crazy amounts of itself. Now, over time, that's actually slowed down crazily. I mean, it wasn't planned necessarily like that. It was just they wanted to hyperinflate it. That was the whole point of a joke. You know, here's a currency that's going to perpetually get less you know, or less value that's the whole point Just like the dollar <laughs> except at this point and you know with its use and everything the inflation's actually slowed down i would argue right now without any facts to back it i would argue that dogecoin is inflating at a less a scale than the current u.s dollar Wow. I used to use like the Dogecoin. The reason why I had a bunch was to just give people like cryptocurrency so they could actually learn to use it because it, it, I could get tons of it. I could easily give you a thousand to play with this coin, transfer it back and forth, and even use it as like a petty cash at work. It's like mm-hmm. instead of like trading like an IOU, it's like, hey, I'm going to send you a hundred Doge because I'm taking a soda. Did that hundred Doge pay for that soda? Hell no. But, you know, it, it felt good. And you guys practice trading, you know, crypto around, you know? It, it's, and I remember <laughs> going at so con- That is so condescending. You're like, you're too dumb for real crypto. Here's some Dogecoin. <laughs> you commoner <laughs> dumb person. 
Oh, uh, man, it was funny. Like that one year, like at Porkfest, they were like, "Here's the Bitcoin price of this thing. Here's the Litecoin price, and these massive like two sheets of paper on how much Doge Doge this would cost." It's like, yeah, if you want to pay me in Doge, I need all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent made as a joke. Um, oh, yeah, even yeah. the developers even left after a few years and and abandoned the project because it was literally a joke. Um, mm-hmm. It was just Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk decided with his autistic brain that I like Doge. I like doggies and uh, made that his, made that his coin. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> might, be, might be a little bit of ego and seeing if he could, you know, yeah. one, manipulate the market as well, but two, see if he can manipulate the market to have everyone buy a joke coin. And, and, and you know Elon hates the SEC. I mean, he's, he's had battles with them before with Tesla and, and SpaceX, and, and, and this is his way of getting back, and they can't do anything about it. Like, so if I, wanted to, <laughs> if I wanted to create leader coin for dear leader, and yeah. and mm-hmm. and trade a we are libertarians coin, yeah. you know what what would uh, how do you do that? Well, one you would need to pick uh, a platform to start from. So um, Ethereum is a, is usually is, is the most popular platform in which people create what's called an ERC twenty token, and that token doesn't have its own blockchain; it, it exists on an existing blockchain, uh, Ethereum in that case, um, and then you can work your way up. You know, this this honestly, you guys as a platform, I would see no point in you guys needing your own blockchain. So you could forever How just dare you, on, sir. <laughs> you could forever sit on, you know, this this blockchain platform and develop and just have utility within that. Um, but someone else would um, eventually want to move off that. And I say someone else because, you know, you're just a community. You're not trying to support necessarily the world trading your coin for value and all these things. Potentially, you as a community would want your community members to hold this coin and get some utility, like maybe some extra activities, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, okay. say you needed the big thing and you needed to launch your own blockchain. You would do what's called a main net. You would eventually move from that ERC-20 token that is the Ethereum blockchain to now main net your own blockchain. And mm. which, if you were another Ethereum, someone could develop coins on top of your platform and start that process all over again. Coming so- soon, Bitner coin. I, I, uh, <laughs> I think I think it would be actually a really good thing to look into, Spangle. Um, how tied are you to Patreon? Do you I, love I, Patreon? Is it your favorite thing in the whole world? Uh, or do you have issues I, with them? I, I, no, I don't have any issues with them. I don't mm. dislike them. They've always been, you know, every time I've needed help, they've been good to me, and we're... The, because the, you could create they, your they, own. I mean, when, when I talked Patreon. to their their corporate, they were like, "You guys are one of the like most active Patreon in terms of." Oh, really? Like years ago, they're like in terms of giving stuff out and like, like when she when I when I met with her, she's like, "But you don't have any rewards, and like your audience is like super into." I'm like, "Yeah." So I mean, Patreon, like I don't have big issues with it. So like, but I uh, you know. I, th- th- when they removed some people a few years ago, I was like, I, that's when I contacted. I was like, I, I contacted every platform, and, I, and I'm like, listen, I'm, I, I don't like this, <laughs> you know. I mean, and they've they've uh, nice. They, they've kind of done a 180 on on that era of things and said, you know, that we were a little too harsh, but at the same time, we reserve the right to remove Lauren Southern if we want. So, hmm. um, so anyways, your point being. What? Well, my point being that 
it, it, let's say you made a D-Leader Ethereum ERC-20 token and, and, a, and a, a leader leader token um you could you could create a platform that that i i have a wallet and i have leaders in my wallet right and if mm-hmm. i have 50 leaders in my wallet i get i get access to this content okay if i have 100 leaders in my wallet i get access to this content and if i have a thousand leaders in my wallet i get access to this content and and you can you can you can create access that way and get and get um and and you know gatekeep your content that way and so by being the backer of that leader coin when they they have to purchase that hundred tokens from me and then then i uh, grant how does that like how does that grow how does that grow the back end of of wall that way well the well the the, your community itself could have a community wallet that has a certain number of leaders in it and as people buy them they gain value um, so, and, or, and people can donate those leaders back to you or, or, or you can say like you pay 20, you have to pay 20 leaders to get into this content. So then that way that 20 leaders is actually going to your wallet. And then you, you as, as the holder of that can use that value however you wanted to. Um, so as the head of leader coin, I declare there <laughs> to be in existence 69,420 coins. Oh no way! He did not. <laughs> Sixty nine thousand four hundred and twenty coins. Uh, what a meme! <laughs> so, so if you, uh, it, it, all right, final, final recommendations, and and my coins are like Ethereum's the head coin. Like that just seems common sense. It's still really cheap compared to Bitcoin. Um, and then the one that I love is Maker because it has a functional utility, and I've made a lot of money on it. So. Uh, and the people that I recommended to it made they made money on it. So, and I assume that it's going to keep going up in value too. Now, I do that on Coinbase. That is how I, you know, and I know there are a lot of you know OG nerds like you guys who have issues with Coinbase because of fees, and they don't offer things like ZIL. So, if I wanted to buy XRP or ZIL or Theta that is not on that exchange. How do I do that? What are your recommendations? I don't want to use Robinhood. I did for Dogecoin, but I would prefer not to. And Coinbase makes it really easy, but you pay a lot of fees. Um, that was my big objection to not getting that Bitcoin for that interview back in 12 or 13 because it was like I had to get a hard drive and like go through all this stuff, and I was just like, I don't understand it. I don't have time to learn it. You know, I wish I had. And then once Coinbase came along, I'm like, okay, I'm in. And it seems like a lot of those wallets are getting a lot easier and a lot more uh, user-friendly, but Coinbase doesn't offer everything. I like Coinbase. I think it's it's been a good place for me to start. We have an affiliate link, so if you want to sign up for crypto or for Coinbase, please use that affiliate link. It does benefit the network if you use that. Um, but what do you guys use to buy something like a Zillow, or what do you recommend to the newbie? Galt, uh, let's go, um, go first, Galt. Coinbase, you're right. Coinbase is a great place to start. Um, it's a great place to learn. It has learning resources. It gives you rewards for learning. Great place to start. Um, as far as a centralized exchange, I recommend Binance. Um, Binance has the most coins. It has the lowest fees. If you use a bank account, there's no fees. Um, and, and you can trade and you can move when you're, when you're done buying stuff on Binance, you can take those coins and move them to your wallet. Like Vince described earlier, that's your bank account. You don't want to leave your money in someone else's bank account. You want it in your own. 
Um, don't use Robinhood. That's my one ask from everyone out there. Do not use Robinhood. Robinhood is bad. Why? Robinhood's very bad. I, um, well, Robinhood, because they, you, because you don't have the crypto in your own wallet, Robinhood mm-hmm. can tell you any time that you can't sell it or you can't buy it or you can't move it. You can't make, you can't get it off of their platform. Mm-hmm. And and if things skyrocket and you have a million dollars in there, Robinhood can tell you, eh. But we're not going to let you cash out. Which means you can't cash out, and then you literally lose all your money. You watch it all go away, and you can't sell it. No, that's not okay. Finance will never do that to you. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) It's less likely than Robin Hood, at least. I uh, I think finance will let you bring it down to your like your wallet, your offline wallet. Yeah, Yeah. which is great to have. Don't you have to have a VPN to use that though, or isn't that like no, no, no? Finance.us. Okay, got it. All right, I went somewhere else, and you had and to you have. You can a, make an affiliate link on there as well, Spangle, and then okay. you can share that to people, and you'll get yep. Yep. commission Ooh. off their fees. Okay, um, for life. I'll throw that in the show notes. Yes, please. Uh, uh, but I, but I way. do, uh, I do hope we can maybe do another crypto episode sometime together because um, I want to someday with you get past the centralized exchanges yes. and talk about decentralized exchanges and the benefits of that. But we just don't have time today. So like Binance and Coinbase are centralized exchanges, and then yeah. you're talking decentralized where you tap in and and you're it's like it's like your hard drive. You're using your own wallet. That sort of thing. Yeah, because if you want to buy Bitcoin on Coinbase, you buy the Bitcoin from Coinbase. Coinbase provides that liquidity for that trade. Okay. On a decentralized exchange, the people, the that's the we provide the liquidity on the platform <laughs> instead of a company or a group. Um, and and which is essentially what Chris is doing. He said he's yield farming and doing all this thing. He's providing liquidity for other people, and they're mm-hmm. providing him an incentive. This yeah. honestly happens day to day in our normal banks. We put our money in our bank, and our bank goes and takes our money and puts it in a pool and makes money off of it. Yep. This mm-hmm. just allows us to, to do, do that. So are, are you guys all right. using Coinbase or Binance or something else? Um, I will say that at this point, I don't need to put any more fiat in. But starting, say I were to start over, um, as a U.S. citizen, you will n- definitely need to start somewhere like Coinbase or Binance.us where you say buy Ethereum. And you can take that Ethereum to the decentralized place and trade it for whatever you want. Yep. But you had to start somewhere that connects to your bank account. Yep. So you're going to need somewhere like Coinbase, Binance, Uphold, somewhere that's regulated enough by the U.S. that allows yep. um, your U.S. bank account to connect to it to send funds to convert a way to put it for libertarians is um to get in to the decentralized world of money you have to the the government gate keeps the u.s dollar Mm. and the government says if you want to change your u.s dollars into this that's where we're gonna we're gonna keep track and tax you and all that stuff but once you get it in once you get it in you can move it and freely and do whatever you want to do with Mm -hmm. it so, yeah, got that it. Thing, and and when you go to sell, when you go to sell, if you want to turn it back into United States dollars, they have a they're going to gatekeep that and they're going to tax you on that. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's once you get in, then you can. It's a free and open market, basically. That but, that's kind of why I've just been taking like fifty, a hundred bucks every paycheck on the first and fifteenth auto withdrawal that Coinbase allows you to buy like several different coins, and then. You know, I've got it. You just keep it. Doesn't matter what the market does because, you know, I made the mistake in 2013. I don't want to get left behind again. And if we get to a point where you need that as an escape, 
because of the predatory United States government, then you've got it in there, right? Like it's it's like having a Swiss bank account almost. Like you know, people, you know, I think I have fifty yeah, bucks. You in just a, described yeah. a marketing strategy of dollar cost averaging in. Basically, I don't have one thousand dollars to put in. I don't want to time the market. I can't time the market. I'm so busy, so I'm going to put a hundred dollars in from this paycheck, hundred dollars in for the next yeah. paycheck. And if you did all the math by whether you could time it and averaging in, it's about the same value. Right. Perfect. All right. Let's end there. Thank you all. Thank you, Vincent, for being here. We appreciate you coming on. Um, uh, Pleasure to be here. If, if people want to follow you, like, I don't know if you have a blog or a podcast or, or whatever, like, if people want to get in contact with you and ask you more questions, how could they do that? They could ask around the Discord because I am on there. All right. Sweet. Great. So uh, go on there, and we will... Uh, His name's Adam and Butler on the the Wall Discord, I believe. All right, and you can yeah. sign up for the Wall Discord at wearelibertarians.com on the front page, where I'll put it in the show notes for you. Uh, let me make a note of that just so I don't forget. All right, thank you so much. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's plan to get those uh, crypto transactions tracked and traced. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, again, the ad breaks are new across the entire network. So I told you early on the reason we were changing the name of We Are Libertarians to the Chris Spangle Show was so that we could uh, build a network, basically. Like, we had a network, and it was kind of like, you know, hey, here's the, here's the We Are Libertarians show, and then, like, you know... Brian and Rimzo were on the network, but like it wasn't a network, right? So what we're doing in like social media marketing doesn't work anymore. It doesn't exist. It's not going to happen for us. Uh, And in reality, we need a different way to market the show. And so we are cross promoting across our different 13 shows, you know, and you'll hear that. And along with, you know, some advertising now we're selling ads for the first time and we are, uh, selling ads to like a YouTube ad system called MMT. And all of that is going to then fund advertising on other podcasts outside in Normie land uh, to say, hey, there's some libertarian shows. If you don't know what a libertarian is, come on over, check us out. And, uh, you know, we, we bought some ads on Spotify, for instance, to advertise in the sports, uh, sports history, news and politics, lifestyles, some of those things, health. And uh, that's how we're going to grow the network, and that is why you're hearing ads. Long-time listeners know I never really wanted to mess with ads. I don't want to be a salesman, but the changes in how we market the show uh, make that necessary. And it turns out that if you want to do marketing, guys, you have to pay for it. Uh, so, uh, so yes. Uh, anyways, that is why you're hearing ads on all the different shows and uh, please, if you want ad-free episodes of The Chris Spangle Show, go join the Wall Patreon, and you can get that there. Uh, now, let's move on to our news block. I need to get, like, one of those, like, little sounder things, you know, so, like, uh, like this. Welcome to We Are Libertarians News with your host, Chris Spangle, featuring Harry Price, Reinhold, and Chris Galt has quit the podcast again. So uh, 
Joe Biden wants to spy on American bank accounts. Oh, and I've got this. So, like, if we have like a uh, a COVID update, then I can I can do this. Corona update. How fun is that? All right. So, just adding a little production to the show here. Joe- Are you going to sell naming value to like our different desk? Oh, that'd be <laughs> yes. Like like on my day job. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, like uh, Harry Price over at the Crypto Desk, sponsored yeah, by Dashcoin yeah. <laughs> at the Coinbase dot com Crypto Desk. R- right, Reinhold at the Kratom Desk. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Joe Biden wants to spy on American bank accounts. Uh, Joe Biden's. This is from Reason Magazine. Elizabeth Nolan Brown uh, tweeted this out, and I think she's the author. Biden tax plan would cull financial data on masses of law-abiding, tax-compliant Americans. Now, I think we talked about last week how uh, you. Uh, yes. So. Uh, sorry, I got distracted. Yes, thank you, Vince. Thank you for being on, Galt. No worries about uh, not being here. I'm just going to kick you guys out, and uh, thank you for being on. Um, not right now, associate producer. <laughs> so, yes, uh, y- you may have seen um, – are you trying to peek? Okay, well, let's not do that. Can you go watch? Can you go watch Mouse? Go watch Paw Patrol. You did do it. You're very smart. Um, I'll turn on Paw Patrol for you in just a second. So we talked about how there were $7 trillion. So my girlfriend works overnights on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, And so that has left us. So she's in the other room uh, napping for an hour and a half. And that just happens to coincide with the programs because we have to go do some stuff today. So I apologize for the interruption, but there's nothing I can do about it. And uh, she's the sweetest associate producer ever. Are you going to read that email from uh, from Tim? Thank you. So $7 trillion in... It is another one. Thank you. Can you be quiet now? (laughs) Honey, you're ruining the show. Oh, you're not really ruining the show. It's okay, honey. She got sad and then I felt bad. So uh, Joe Biden's... Joe Biden's tax plan would cull financial data on masses of law-abiding citizens. So we saw about a week or two ago that there was $7 trillion, $6 trillion in unaccounted for uh, taxes. And so Joe Biden has a plan to to keep you on, in line. And so they're seeking serious, serious snooping rights uh, to oversee all American bank accounts and payment apps instead of promising a chicken in every pot. Chuck Grassley said Biden's plan promises an auditor at every kitchen table. So Biden's proposal would hire 87,000 new IRS employees to be hired and go through the flow of money to and from your bank account. As it stands now, the government gets alerted to most income when payer reports it to the IRS. If someone comes into money and the payer doesn't report it to the IRS, the person paid is to report this income. So if I make income on a 1099, the 1099 goes from the business to that to the IRS, and then I have to also claim it and put it on my taxes. Um, An estimate suggests that income opaque income sources have a misreporting rate of 55 percent. Uh, it would also uh, go into spying on PayPal and Venmo and services like that. They're also cracking down on crypto gains, and you have to pay capital gains taxes on that. My accountant asked me specifically this year if I uh, did any crypto, and I was like, no, not last year. I have probably losses this year so far. Um, so 
mainly the people, it's not going to be the millionaires and billionaires that already get audited. Like you have like a 0.20% chance of being audited or something as just a regular person making 50 to 100 grand. Like you, you really aren't in much danger unless Joe Biden hires these 87,000 new IRS employees. And the people who are going to be affected are babysitters and house cleaners and people peddling homemade baked goods and just regular people like you and me. Um, now, uh, the bottom line is that the IRS would have an unprecedented ability to target even the tiniest bits of unreported income. Now, this is not unsurprising, guys. Like, as the debt mounts, and that has to be paid back, they can't inflate all that away. They're, of course, going to become predatory and want to get all up in your business and get as much money as they think they deserve because that is the nature of states, especially as they start to collapse. They start to tighten the rules and start to uh, suck up as much income as humanly possible from its citizens to pay back for the things that they have not yet paid for. So I'm not really surprised. How about the two of you? Yeah, not surprised that the um, Biden administration wants to go do this because, you know, what's uh, if you're already taxing from inflation, might as well go ahead and get the rest of the money. The I think we were actually talking about this at um, the Walnuts last night um, at Triton Brewer. You were talking about like these. We were worried that Biden wanted to do this because this is the same administration that weaponized the IRS in the first place to go after um, groups back in the early of the Tea Party era. So it's like, great, let's weaponize. I wonder who the IRS people are going to focus on more. Uh, yes, yes, the people going into the crypto space, the small little mom and pa shops that are just starting up. And it also is going to help discourage like small businesses to start up because everyone who's going to start a small business, look, guess what? You're going to screw up your taxes. Everyone's going to screw up your taxes. You're going to misreport something, underreport something. You don't know you did something incorrectly because it's not very easily in, in, you know, spread out. Well, it, 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 go ahead, right? To me, it's, it's hilarious watching uh, the left kind of like, so they wanted to fund the police. They want to limit uh, the police power. And they still supported Biden, who very clearly said he wasn't going to do that. He was going to increase the police. He's going to increase the the police state and this is just another part of that this is a part of the police state it's how they're going to fund money they're going to spend how much money hiring all these people to do this work because they know they're going to get more than that out of us yep so we're going to end up paying more right so this is like the the thing that just pisses me off about last year's because trump would have just sailed to re-election and we now have like Without the Republicans like being fiscally conservative and sticking to the principles that they, that that come out of their mouths instead of governing a different way, it's like you now have you know if Donald Trump hadn't done the the stolen election nonsense, he would have won those two seats in Georgia, and you wouldn't have the ability for eighty seven thousand new IRS agents to be like it's really like please the right get it together because this is a direct consequence of all of that conspiracy mongering and nonsense from last year. You know, mm-hmm. it's really frustrating to see all of this. And like, we, we all knew who Joe Biden was and what Joe Biden was. It's just that the other side, libertarians and conservatives and Republicans and, you know, libertarian party didn't offer a valid alternative in the minds of most people. And so now we're stuck with, 87,000 new IRS agents potentially. So 
um, just a consequence of, of of rhetoric and not policy being at the forefront. Right. Yeah, but there's 87,000 people now who can get a job that didn't have one before. That's going to help with the unemployment rate, right? Government yeah. benefits, going to make out with the great uh, retirement plans, things like that. I mean, it helps some people. All right, goodbye, Reinhold. Thanks for being a part of the program. We've loved having you on We Are Libertarians. <laughs> You've been great. You were being sarcastic. so There's uh, a tiny bit of sarcasm maybe hidden in there somewhere. Yes, but we, you know, well, we have to. Well, he's not wrong. They, he's going to, it's a great jobs program. A lot of people are going to create different jobs. And uh, um, what? I'll stop remember, there. When I was growing up, when I was growing up is you know in the 70s and 80s, and basically my parents were saying, if you can get a government job, go get one because that's going to be the most stable that you're going to get. You're going to mm-hmm. have stability. You're going to have good benefits. You're going to, you don't have to worry about a lot of things. If you just go, go to the post. So they were wanting me to go to the post office and apply there and go, you know, do all these things. And it's like, eh, you know, that's, this wasn't me. It wasn't how I saw myself. I didn't really like the government back then. Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of always been basically a libertarian. So it was, it was just like, yeah, I see what you're saying, but that just perpetuates itself, right? And, and I, don't, I don't want that. So, I just, go ahead, Harry. I was going to say, like, like that was like the red and joke. Also, like in um, the movie, I'm going to get you, sucker. Was like a, we showed up with all these angry black people to the uh, to the government office, but it was hiring day. <laughs> they walked in with pitchforks and they walked out with jobs. Nah. Uh, Okay, so let's move on to our next topic, and this one hits a little close to home. For colleges, vaccine mandates often depend on which party is in power. So this is from the New York Times. For more than 400 colleges and universities, it is being billed as the ticket to a normal year on campus. Require all students to be vaccinated for the coronavirus before they can matriculate next fall. From just one university in March to a dozen by the first week of April, the trickle has become a tide over the past month, depending on just where students are attending school. In a divided nation, college vaccine mandates are mostly following familiar fault lines. As of this weekend, only 34 percent, only 34, roughly 8 percent are in states that voted for Trump. According to the Chronicle of Higher Education, nine of those were added on Friday when Indiana University and its satellite campuses became a rare public university in a Republican-controlled state to mandate vaccines. Though the 400 campuses are only about 10% of the nation's roughly 4,000 colleges, uh, the, the gap is likely to persist. When, With many colleges facing falling enrollments and financial pressures, the decision whether to require vaccinations can have huge consequences. Particularly in Republican-controlled states, college presidents are weighing a delicate equation, part safety, part politics, part peer pressure, and part economic self-interest. Indiana, a state where sheriffs in multiple counties refuse to enforce the governor's mask mandate, now has at least 14 campuses that are requiring the immunization the most of any Republican-controlled state. Uh, Terry Hartle, senior vice president of the American Council on Education, said, if you are a public college president, getting on the wrong side of a governor or state legislature can be career-ending action. Uh, Because the FDA has authorized only the emergency use of Pfizer, BioTech, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson vaccines, many uh, universities have added a caveat to try to protect themselves from liability. Their mandates are contingent on one of the vaccines obtaining final regulatory approval, but they would allow students to return to campus after receiving any of them. 
Uh, now this is uh, so as I posted this about IUPUI, my school. Uh, on my Facebook page, a load of libertarians were saying, but it's not FDA approved. And I would say, when the fuck did libertarians ever care about FDA approval? Get your shit together. Quit being impure. (laughs) Now, IUPUI said, for students, they will see their class registration canceled, their crimson card access terminated, access to IU systems like Canvas and email terminated, and will not be allowed to participate in any on-campus activity. Faculty and staff who choose not to meet the requirements will no longer be able to be employed by IU. Working remotely and not meeting the COVID-19 vaccine requirement is not an option. Exemptions will be limited to a very narrow set of criteria, including medical exemptions with physician documentation and documented religious exemptions. Um, now, and Indiana has in part of their code that they cannot actually legally do this, but so I don't know what they're thinking, but my guess is that governor Holcomb, who has been, um, he's been more like governor DeWine in Ohio, uh, than he has been Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, DeWine and, and Holcomb are certainly not Whitmer and Newsom and, New York, you know, Cuomo, like they're not on that spectrum. Like in reality here in Indiana, we have not really had our lives affected, uh, you know, like from March to June, it was lockdowns. Right. But Mm -hmm. for the rest of the time, it was like, we're locked down. Wink, wink, wink. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, there, there is, it's basically all open now. There are still some capacity requirements for bars and restaurants in Indianapolis, but it's certainly nothing like Brian has, Brian Nichols has experienced in Philadelphia, for instance. Um, so, and now that, you know, we're like, here's the thing about, like, when the lockdown protest didn't have any epidemiological consequences, I went, hmm, that's interesting. Okay. And then when the George Floyd protests came about and epidemiologists were saying it was okay to go out, I went, all right, this is, this seems like a lot of bullshit now. And nothing, nothing spiked from those. And then the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl happened and nothing really happened there. And then Indianapolis flew in 110,000 people for the final four and we had 23 new cases. And I am going this afternoon to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where next Sunday they will hold the largest gathering of human beings in one place since COVID began in the world. And believe me, they're all nervous about it. But if history is any indication, everything's going to be fine. And I would just say to my friends who are very nervous about COVID, yes, you should take it seriously. You should consider getting the vaccine. I'm not against the vaccine. I think it's wonderful that my grandfather gets to see my grandmother. All of my family has gotten the vaccine. I have not yet gotten the vaccine. Why is that? Not because I'm an anti-vaxxer, but because I had COVID. And everyone who's had COVID that has gotten the vaccine in my life has gotten sick from it. So I'm not really in a hurry to get sick and be the next doctor's appointment that I can get scheduled with my doctor is September. And so IUPUI, the place that I went back to school two semesters ago, said if you don't have the vaccinations, both of them by July, the middle of July, you can't come to school here. And even online. And so instead of working at my pace to think about what I want to do with my body and my health, they're telling me I, uh, my business is no longer wanted. Now, of course, they, they ask that you get the flu vaccine uh, every year. The flu vaccine is not the same thing as the COVID vaccine, right? So 
I know that the technology existed before the vaccines were rolled out earlier this year. But that doesn't mean that this isn't a brand new disease, a new vaccine. And I personally don't want to be like five years in with ever a booster shot every single year. And they go, oops, sorry about that. We just discovered this new thing. I want to take my time. Reinhold, you're probably in a different place because you have much different parameters because of the people that you care for and you love the protection that the vaccine, I, I assume you have gotten it. I don't know. Um, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to because we respect HIPAA here at the We Are Libertarians podcast network. But like all along, your COVID restrictions and factors have been much different than mine and much different than Harry's, you know, and people like my dad, who's in his 60s, who works at construction sites with a lot of people who are not going to get vaccinated, who are not have not ever worn masks and is worried about COVID. He got the vaccine for his health. My brother, too. Right. So it's like. Um, but my mom, who's been in the ICU, got really, 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 really sick from it because she had a lot of antibodies, right? So I'm taking my sweet time. I'm not a, I'm, like I said, I really bristled at this and I'm going to switch to a different school because that my situation was never considered. They're just treating me like I'm an anti-vaxxer. They're just treating me like they don't want my business and they don't care. They don't even care about their employees. And like if let's say 5% of the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that work for IU in their workforce balk at this, let's say it's 5%, 10%, 20%, are they really going to fire in mass all of those people and then completely disrupt their services in the fall? How many, how many people dropped their classes yesterday? Like it was explained to me by an advisor at my school, don't worry about your GPA. They really need the tuition right now because the business of colleges is really struggling. <laughs> so how many people are just not going back to school? Is that 10%? Is that 50% of their enrollment drops in the fall in this red state? I'll be really interested to see what happens, but I dropped my class for the fall yesterday because I'm not going to be able to meet their requirement of July. And people will say, oh, but you have to have vaccines to go to college. I haven't had to. I've been taking online classes, and I don't really have, like, uh, uh, like I haven't gotten boosters for tetanus. Maybe I should, but, like, I, I haven't had to get vaccinated for other things. Like, there's a very clear control aspect to this that is different with this vaccine. We're... This is the thing that you're supposed to do, and we're going to force you to do it because we have decided this is what's best for you. And I know it's a private institution, but that doesn't mean that I can't just walk away and go find somebody else to do business with. I really like IUPUI. I really love the IU system. I really want to finish my degree with them. Um, but this is, uh, this is a – I think this is a big miss, and I'll be curious to see how the legislature manages it. Um, am, am I just a, an outlier you know, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people that go to these IU schools that are that are like even more extreme on this scale than I am. I'm I'm skeptical, right? I'm I'm skeptical about everything. Uh, I am not, um, you know, I I own Peter Hotez's book about why the anti-vax movement is wrong. Like, <laughs> like I've shared it with people. Like, you know, I'm not in that crowd, but to be treated like that just makes you go, I don't know. 
um, if if you're going to make me choose what culture I live in, then I guess I'm going with them because I'm not with you because of your like this is the this is the mindset. And are we really going to live in a world where uh, hold on just a second. <laughs> we live in a world of laws. We but, live, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the reality is, um, are you going to you have to get a booster every year? That that was said today. It's in the paperwork. You have to get a COVID booster every year. So if you get the vaccine, are you going to go get that booster every single year? And are they going to require you to show your booster every single year? How many different places are you going to have to carry your your vaccination card around and show? Right. Like how many how many years are we willing to do that? Like are you willing to do that for the next ten years for the rest of your life for the next six months? Like where's the line? Like a mask. I'm fine wearing the mask because it's a temporary thing. We were always going to get to the place we're at now where people are not wearing their masks. They're done with it, right? Mm -hmm. The the reality is that the the pandemic had an expiration date. And we have arrived at that expiration date where the world is about to go back to normal. And Mm -hmm. if you want to pretend that this is still March 2020 and April 2020, you are about to get left behind. And that is if you are on the anti-lockdown side or the pro-lockdown side. Like, the world is about to go back to normal, and they are not going to want to ever talk about COVID or the pandemic again. But what happens when the vaccine rolls out for kids and every school system starts mandating it? And you've got 50% of this country, or 40, or 30, or 20 that are not willing to vaccinate their kids and just are going to drop out and do homeschool. The, right. the culture wars around vaccines are not over. They're just about to get started for when the COVID vaccine is required by schools. Mark my words on that. And I think, you know, you don't have to be uh, considered a nut job to look at the way that this is being rolled out and, and basically shoved down our throats and socially engineered to go, how long are we willing to accept that social engineering? How long are we willing to participate? How long are we willing to, like... I'm nobody's ever asked me if I've gotten the HPV vaccine, which I did because I didn't want to. I'm joking. You know, nobody ever asked me if I got my flu shot. Nobody ever asked, like, how long are we willing to talk about our medical health with total strangers and coworkers and everybody else? How long are we willing to show that little card? There, right. Yeah. So, I mean, how long? I mean, you guys tell me. I mean, I'm I'm not uh, like you go talk to to most libertarians about me and and my reaction to COVID. It's like I was never for lockdowns. I was never for government action. I was always for staying home initially, gather evidence, see what was acceptable risk for you and your family, work with other people. But where we're headed is exactly what a lot of those folks are saying, the, the, the hardcore folks, right? Like, I don't necessarily think a lot of them, it didn't matter if it was 1918, they weren't going to play along, right? Like, but, mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of the countries starting to sit here and go, how long? How much longer? How, how invasive are you going to be before I have to start pushing back? Because I don't want to push back on you, but I will. Harry? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you also see like the goodwill that has been brought up for going after the anti-vax movement, which is going to 
for some reason, I, 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 the biggest fear is to pick up momentum with people who just don't want that. Because yes, us as us as most libertarians, you're, most you're going, who, you're going to push people more and more in that direction if you apply force. If you do what Ohio did, where they did the lottery and twenty eight percent spike in vaccinations occurred because they incentivized people to enter a lottery, that's mm-hmm. a good way to to apply social pressure to achieve a goal. <laughs> Yeah. Telling you you can't ever go to college again at my university and the largest state-run university is over. It's the wrong way to go. It's the wrong Correct. way to do it. Yeah, and if you could just cancel my uh, my my, uh, my ability to go to the college, could you take the um, can you take my student loan debt with it? Right. Ryan, I just spent, I've, I've spent four thousand dollars working with this school that does not want me to go. So did right. I waste four thousand dollars? Am I done with college or like? like fuck you <laughs> yeah. i'll just go to an and, online school correct and and after this whole like this last year it has proved to also a lot of parents that you know you can homeschool this is you know homeschooling yeah. can be difficult but you also notice that it's also easier with the community and you build that community of other of other family members to help do the homeschooling and unschooling project or go to a private school you know because as more and more people are wanting to do something different hey there's going to be funds and everything going to be available yeah the yeah, it's the other thing is what like I was trying to say is that there are people out there that aren't libertarians or people out there that are that want real FDA approval. I'm not one of them, but there are those out there that are going on like, no, no, no. I wanted to go through all the hoops before I put this thing at me. That was for an emergency. I freaking get it. We got to this point, but I actually want real approval. There are people out there that want that, too. You know, and it's that it's. And it is it, right now. You're right. It is in that weird state of like we're going to force to do that. And is and um, I bring it to like a lot of the conversation you can have with people is like I have some uh, friends who are trans, and it is at that same thing and that same argument. Well, well, let me see your card. Let me see. Well, how trans are you? Are you fifty percent trans? Are you twenty percent trans? Are you are you on this aspect? It's like, why do you care about my medical history or what's in my over genitals or pants? I have it's the exact same thing with the freaking, you know, when it comes down to the like. You know what? Focusing through my veins. You know, did I do my due diligence as a good person for for your argument that you want? You know, it's just you know, it's the bathroom argument all over again. You know, but instead of bathrooms, it's vaccines, right? And and it's much more personal, and it's going to involve children, and it's going to it's going to get messy. I mean, Reinhold, you have been. I don't want to say you've been on the more liberal side. I feel like that's unfair, but I think you've definitely been um, because you never advocated for lockdowns, but you were like, this is a serious thing. Like, you know, you should personally take it seriously. I mean, a lot of us did here. Um, I mean, where do you come down on this? Because it is a private organization, but it, it feels predatory. So the private organization has every right to try to protect the people that it's serving. So a, a college, you know, is a collection point of a lot of people. So they are obviously concerned about being a vector for getting people who come to use their service and getting them sick and potentially killing them. Um, I don't think that what you're so uh, there's a lot of fear based around we're going to start requiring this and this is going to be. Let let, let me stop you there. okay? because if you are going to a physical location like a Mm -hmm. college and by the way, I mean, it. Dr. Fauci said this week that 40 to 50% of CDC and FDA employees aren't vaccinated yet with it. 
like which is kind of like a mind blowing number that it that would be that much. Now that was not a a statistical figure, right? He was just like guesstimating in a hearing, and of course the right took it and ran with it and made him you know uh, they're afraid to get the vaccine. It's not what he said, but still it's kind of a crazy thing. But if you're in a physical location like university, especially in a town like Bloomington where it's kind of closed off, like Bloomington, you can't require everybody in the town get the vaccine. And the people that you're interacting with on campus, by and large, are vaccinated. And so the mm-hmm. percentage of people that are vaccinated to unvaccinated is incredibly high, enough that intermingling with people is not going to have a significant r not value. Like, scientifically, there isn't a ton of sense here, right? Like, so I push back a little bit on the idea that I get that they no. are trying to protect their employees and protect their, their, their people and protect the minority of people who are, who have issues, who have uh, problems and, 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 you know, but it, it seems like an overcautious step in my mind. I mean, what do you say to that? It- it is an overcautious step, and I think that you're going to see a handful of universities, like you said, they're going to go down this route. They're going to get their hands slapped, and they're going to get pushed back on, and they're going to change their tune. It wasn't that long ago. I'm st- I can remember when it happened, so even though I am old, <laughs> this isn't horribly long ago. You had to carry around an immunization card. It mm-hmm. was not something that is just thought of today. Right. So this is something we used to do. We didn't do it. We don't do it anymore. Why? Because we kind of moved past it. We're going to end up moving past this, too. The problem is, is that you still have places. I don't know if you know what's going on in India right now, but it is a shit show over there right now concerning COVID and number of people dying. It is a mess. So there's yeah, but still they also have a completely different standard of living in the majority of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and no, yeah, I know I'm. It's it's all different, it's, and, and it's, it's individualized. We should be individualizing all this. But you also have to understand that not everybody's going to agree with how you view things. So no, we that's have to incorrect. allow other they people should, to wrong. try. Fuck that. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to we have to allow them to try and kind of figure their own way. IUPUI, I think, I, and IU, I think they're making a horrible mistake. In I think if they had come out and said, if you're going to be on campus. We want you vaccinated. If you're going to do remote learning, if you're going to do all online, you don't need it. What's wrong with that? That's a good compromise. But they don't want that because they want I, – I don't know why they don't want it. They want no compromise. Crazy. And I think that's yeah. – I, I, knowing public – the public space as well as I do thanks to my past jobs – they're taking a hard stance right now as a negotiating tactic. They're going to see how many unenrollments they get. Like my class dropped yesterday. They're going to see how many employees they have to fire uh, in in early August, and then they're going to walk it back without the headlines, yeah. right? They, they got into the New York Times, right? So they got the headlines, and they made right. it. They, well, they made it have, clear. They may have to make a headline to get back into it, though. If they're going to reverse it in order to regain some of that loss. Yeah. They're going to have to make that a headline, too. So they're going to have to do something somewhere to to make that happen. Now, it won't be as national because it's not. The problem is we've, again, politicized healthcare to yeah. the point where nobody will talk about the rational, logical, scientific-based parts of all of this. It's all my side versus your side, which is horrible. But the what they're doing is going. they're going to get their hands slapped. And 
that's how libertarians kind of want society to work, isn't it? That we we all just sort of, you know, we, we try things. We push this here. We push that there. This works. This doesn't work. We get a hand slapped on this. And eventually it all kind of works to the betterment of everybody. And I think you're going to see those edges coming up. The problem is, is too many people are focusing on the edge cases. Yeah. And going, oh, see, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to control you. I don't see this as being a thing about control. I don't see in a year from now or maybe a year and a half from now that we're going to be doing requiring boosters and passports and all that stupid stuff is going to be gone. Well, it's, mo- it's most employers are new, not. Yeah, control most. Thing. If, if they want to control you, if they want to track you, I think people are talking about, oh, they're putting my, my my wife came to me yesterday and was talking about how she had seen a video where they're putting magnets inside of the virus and it's in the arm and you can put a magnet up there and it'll stick and you can see it. <laughs> they're not doing that. They have no incentive to do that. Everybody voluntarily gives everybody that information anyway these days. So why would they even bother trying to do that? Here's where I would push back on you. Okay. I, I do not believe in a top down system of you know i don't believe in like the cabal stuff right like mm-hmm. uh, everything is grounds up i think but i do think that there are people who are sitting around going if you don't do this f you you're you're not uh, you're not a good citizen anyways we don't want you here you know so yeah. if we can if we can if we can do this and and force enough people to get more vaccines like we're like I do think control plays into it. I do. I think that there are like forty two hundred people meeting and going. We're going to create a vaccine that controls the world. I don't believe in that stuff, but I do think that the the type of personality that probably runs a college has less of a problem controlling individual liberties and individual choices versus the needs of the community than we we do. Right? Like, well, it depends. I mean, look at look at Purdue. Purdue's got a different. Well, they're the outlier of that. I mean, they've got Mitch Daniels. Well, like. Are they though? But I mean, they've got. There's a lot of colleges around the country that are doing that. That's what I'm saying. Is I think we're talking edge case again. The there are people who are trying to pressure others, pressure society into doing what they think is right. But libertarians do the same thing. The right does the same thing heavily. I mean, we're the only ones who don't try to make it codify it into actual law. I mean, the left and the right do do that constantly. That's that's what they fight about. That's what well, we, the culture war well, we, is. We, is who's controlling people? Yeah, it's it's decreeing consent, right? You you decree something and then see how many people consent, and if you get pushback, you take it back, and if you don't, then you go on with it, right? So I think there has to be a point where, even if it makes you look nutty, even if it doesn't totally make sense, because I do understand their rationality and I do understand what they're trying to do in protecting, like. All right. Well, why why does Spangle get to come to college when the person with the respiratory illness doesn't get to? Right. Like I get that thinking of protecting the minority when the risk to that person is much greater than my risk of getting the vaccine. Right. Like so that is the that is the calculation that they're making. But I do think at a certain point you have to push back and say, I do not consent to your decree. We, this is not how I want things to function because so much of our lives are now, are now molded in the rhetorical space, in public space, in public argument. And, pu- like, and this is the argument that many people make against democracy is that you are ruled by the whims of that public conversation as opposed – which is often propagandized as opposed to 
you know, the, the star chamber of learned men sitting down having rational conversations, which is, you know, I think more egregious than democracy. Um, we, we are not monarchists here at the We Are Libertarians Network, but um, so I do think there has to come a point where even if it doesn't make sense, yes, Facebook does have a right to take our group away. Yes, Facebook has a right to do these things. But at a certain point, you have to push back on it and go, I know you have the right to do these things, but I don't agree with it because I want you to have that market signal that this is not appropriate, that this is, this is too far. And so then the decree gets modified, and it's a, it's a negotiation over time. And I think this is a great example with these colleges of exactly why you say, like, I'm not going to – I don't want a vaccination card. I don't want to have to sit here and, like, like – I, I I just I think a person's body and their choices with it is incredibly important. And I think that trying to create eventually, if you don't push back against the decree, then you end up creating two segmented societies where we're heading already. And I think that's very dangerous for the country. Um, and I you know, I, 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 that's that's really why I, I look at this and I, I see issues with it, um, especially when as a student at this school, I'm telling you, they don't have the same levels of enforcement and consequences for the other vaccinations. They just don't. Um, and so they're making a big show of this. And so if you want to make a big show of it, let's let's have the conversation. Um, but I'm well, going to tell you what I think. To, they're, try, they're trying to figure that if they make this proclamation, they may get more people coming to the school because they know it's a safe place to be. Sure. Right. They don't have to be around people who are. And, and their part of their concern is that it's in Indiana. So they're afraid a lot of the population who go there is going to be coming from other parts of the state and haven't been vaccinated. They're going to start spreading stuff around. Uh, because we don't like government and we don't like people telling us what to do and we're all anti-vax. So that's where their thinking is, is that if we make this proclamation, we'll lose some people, but we're going to gain more in the end. That's a, that's a fair now, assessment too. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen that way, but that's what they're thinking is. I think they're going to get their hands slapped. I think they're going to push back and we should be vocal on anybody who does like when Facebook did what they did, we should be vocal to them and tell them, we disagree with it. The problem is, is that too many people are vocalizing that in the wrong way by threatening government, which then makes them retreat back into this is our you know rights. Let's get the lawyers involved and let's get all the politics involved. And, and I think that's the wrong way to do it. I think the best way to do it is to make the case and be vocal about it, get and collect people to who agree with you and go after that, but do it in a way that's not a th- hugely threatening other than, hey, we won't use your service anymore, right? Yeah, and, and I'd also say not using like, the service anymore is going to be enough to get a lot of people to kind of push back or at least bring out their, you know, change their tone a little bit. Um, but I also think like I'm someone who has antibodies, so mm-hmm. but there's there's no like there's no third way there, right? Like you just you, well, there used to there, there was going to be on the passport on the passport that they were going to do where you were validated all, all they would do is they would check against it and get it back yes he's good no he's not right and that validation could have been both either they had the vaccine or they had the antibodies or they had both or whatever they could do antibody checks and they could do all of that stuff and then report back a green or a red and yeah. that's what the the passport application was supposed to do right and the, the privately created one that they were going to do 
a lot of people push back on that. It's just like they all push back on masks, even though masks would get, they were complaining that the, that everything was closed and we wanted it all open again. Well, masks are the best way to do that to allay fears and get people out going again. Putting your mask on would have made that a lot quicker and a lot less painful, but you couldn't do that because it was a, it, it, it was just a mindset. You know, it was politicized at that point. So they're doing the same thing here with the vaccines where it's like, I don't want the vaccine because the government's telling me to get the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. And it's fine. It's a decision to make. But if you want a certain outcome to happen, there are certain ways to do that to make it easier than others. Yeah. So, for instance, and I still go ahead. Finish your thought. I, well, I still I still believe with it. Like like I said at the beginning of the year, I said by springtime, a lot of us are just going to be going without masks and everything's going to be fine. And we'll move back to our normals and within a year, I don't think anybody's going to be hardly even talking about COVID. Yeah. But, and I think I'm, I'm, we're seeing that play out, but you, but, and I think you have people who are seeing that slip away and realizing that they had put, invested so much political power <laughs> right. and political future into that either side of that argument that they're trying to hold on. So they're making yeah. louder screams they're making more noise or trying to continually divide people. There's a lot of people topic. on either sides of this issue that made their entire identity or their <laughs> brand about lockdowns and COVID and you need to wear masks or you, you, you're wearing a face diaper and like, and it's it, it sort of like the bulwark. Like I really enjoyed the bulwark podcast when Trump was in office, but now that we're months out from Trump, not being in office, they can't get off of Trump. They can't pivot, right? Like they can't, people get so tied to a narrative that if they feel that they bifurcate from what they were talking about when that issue was hot, that they, they, they're betraying the cause somehow. And, and I just think, think it just, you know, I said early on in the pandemic, we should reevaluate this every two weeks. You should not legislate for, for the next five years. Because remember, it was two weeks to flatten the curve. And okay, all right, the big spike, we need to not overwhelm the hospitals, I'll stay home, I'll work from home, I get that. And then once the hospitals never were, you know, my mom's hospital was overrun for about a month. Once we get past that, and I'm, I check in, I'm like, it's like late May, early June, I'm like, how, how's the hospital? Oh, we only have a couple patients, you know, but, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, we're, all right, now we're, we're in a different phase, right? But the people who are and I think this has partly been Fauci's problem is that Fauci has he um, no matter what Todd Starnes on Fox News says, like he has he has, you know, he'll be asked a question. He'll be like, well, it could be this. It could be that. Like, that's the worst political messaging ever, because you're right. This has been political. Like he's telling you, well, it could be this. It could be that. Right. Like it was horrific. It was horrifying when Michael Olsterholm that 700,000 people worldwide were going to die. When he said this on Joe Rogan in March, 700,000 people are probably going to die in the next year from this. Mm -hmm. Well, we did almost that in America, right? Like, you know, when Fauci said there could be 2 million, you know, that we could have uh, 100,000, 200,000 deaths. I remember saying, like, when I think we said it here, like Trump saying 100,000 people dying is acceptable was outrageous to me. Mm -hmm. But now looking back, like, because the CDC didn't do testing right, the outcome was never going to change. Like no matter amount, like the lockdowns, Florida versus Indiana versus Philadelphia versus California, like those numbers aren't all that different. 
and so the lockdowns didn't work, and we can see it because Florida can be compared to California. But there are people that are still married to that narrative of we need you to wear a mask. We need you to double mask. We need you to not go out if you're vaccinated. We need you to do this. They can't get out of that even though the numbers have changed. And on the other side, it's like, you know, it's the same thing. And I just think, you know, every two weeks we should have had a conversation about where are we at? What are we doing? How do we adjust? How do we, you know, and I, that's that's sort of how I approached all of it in my own personal life. Like, where's my personal risk at? You know, before I went and saw my family at Christmas, we didn't go anywhere for a full month because I didn't know I didn't have a rapid test available to me. Like, I didn't go anywhere. And I feel like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the way that they're handling it, I have no issue. Right. So if you're in the media and you want to go to the pits and to the um, garages and and other places around their facility as a media member, they're not going to force you to get the vaccine. Like if you have a, if you're Jeremiah Morrill, you got to have a vaccine just to go in, right? But if you're working, you've got to have either the vaccine and show your card or a rapid test, and then you ha- you can do your job, but you got to get a rapid test. Like to me, that's a reasonable third way, right? Where they've they've found a solution where they know that they can't like force. Like I'm not vaccinated yet. I'm going out there today. They you know they can't force me. I need to do my job. My employer doesn't want to force me. I, I haven't talked to them about it, but I'm sure they don't want to because of liability reasons, which is why most employers are not, you know, enforcing this. Because God forbid somebody gets the vaccine, they have long, they have a uh, side effects from it, and then they're liable, right? Right. Um. So the Motor Speedway found like a reasonable alternative. Okay, we'll buy a bunch of rapid tests, then we'll we'll keep the spread as low as possible. And if you test positive, you you need to go. Right. I'm totally okay with that. I want to know. I want to be informed about me being a carrier and I need to get the hell away from them. So, you know, as opposed to we're going to fire you and you can't come here anymore. Right. So I don't know. I just, I look at the, I look at it and, uh, I think, um, everybody just, it's like, you know, Harry, back in the day of this program, what was the one issue we never talked about back in the day? The A word. Oh, oh no! I'm not. Mm. Yeah, see, we well, didn't even. That's the third rail. That's we wouldn't even rail. say abortion on the program. You would never debate. We, we like. It was the one thing we never talked about, and and at, at the news talk station, it was the one topic Abdul would not touch, yep. right? And then somewhere, <laughs> social media, <laughs> 2011 or 12, every single issue is now the emotion of the abortion debate from the two you know the 90s and 2000s like that was the one thing that people could have a reasonable conversation about a bunch of different things everything really Mm -hmm. except abortion and then emotions just were attached to it as too politicized and everything is abortion now and it's just Mm -hmm. like it's 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 been an overwhelming year and and i think people are just ready to check out and move on so uh finish your thought harry and then we're going to move on to the last story Oh, but the only thing I would also wanted to say is like, yeah, when you was watching the ICU, like especially in Indiana, they did a very good job of telling you the state of all the hospitals, right. well, majority of the hospitals, like what, what was going on, how many were using for COVID, how many things were open. And the weird thing that was happening because everything was shut down, the ICU beds majority of the time was occupied by people who were driving at high rates of speed and crashing in their cars on 465. Yeah. That was like that was like the frightening thing because like did I get out on the highway and drive fast for the north? Heck yeah, I did. But 
allegedly on video games. But uh, uh, but the thing is, what you notice is that. It, it, the the I here in Indiana is just the the make and the and also had the reverse effect that started happening when you notice like a lot of the ruler hospitals were getting a lot of people going in there because if they shut down all the what is it the the, the non non emergency services it's so like even like the dentist office like I go to now like I got an amazing deal on my teeth there because they just needed someone to actually go in there they didn't care right you know so yeah yeah so. Yeah. All right, next subject, and we do uh, sh- uh, put timestamps in the show notes, so if you ever just, uh, see what we talked about, you can fast-forward on there. All of our show notes are always PDF'd. Uh, got some Bitcoin uh, show notes that Sam Schultz put together for us, uh, so if you want to just quickly read, then we do offer that. Um, now, next story, ICE to stop detaining immigrants at two county jails under federal investigation. I want to hear. I want you to hear the Nazi shit that is going on at some of these detention facilities. Uh, is why I selected this story. So the Biden administration has decided to stop detaining immigrants at a pair of county jails facing federal probes in Georgia and Massachusetts, calling the decision an important first step in broader review of the nation's sprawling network of immigration jails. Uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on. Thursday ordered U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to stop, immediately terminate the contract with the Bristol County Sheriff's Office in Massachusetts and to transfer the few remaining detainees elsewhere. He also directed ICE to rescind an agreement with the Sheriff's Office that trained deputies to screen inmates arrested for crimes to see if they are also eligible for deportation. Mayorkas also directed ICE to, as soon as possible, sever its contracts with the Irwin County Detention Facility in rural Georgia. A more complicated endeavor because the facility is county-owned and not county-owned, but run by a private contractor. Bristol is holding 70 detainees out of nearly 200 beds. Irwin has 114 detainees out of 100 beds. Both county jails are also under federal investigation for complaints of abuses against immigrants. Allegations that remain open and unresolved, and those factored into Mayorkas' decision, the official said. Hey, hold on. (laughs) Why does she? She waits till I'm reading and then yells for a change to Paw Patrol or Peppa. And his changes are having measurable impacts. Immigration arrests in the interior of the United States have plunged by more than half, records show. Under Trump, it was 50,000 detainees per day. Now it's 20,000. The British. The Bristol County Sheriff's Office came under state and federal investigation a year ago when staff members deployed pepper balls, a stun grenade, and canines against immigrant detainees amid a dispute filed over coronavirus testing. Irwin is facing federal investigations from a former nurse filed a whistleblower complaint alleging that women held at the facility were subjected to unwanted gynecological... I've never seen one, so I don't know what the word is. Including hysterectomies, they unvo- they unvo- it was not voluntary. Just gave them hysterectomies, and they told them later that they had given them hysterectomies. Um, they urged DHS to terminate its agreement with Bristol. She said some detainees who had refused to submit to coronavirus testing in isolation threw plastic chairs at staff members, smashed walls, and attempted to barricade the unit with tables and trash bins. 
Haley said he did. she did not condone the detainee's behavior, but said the sheriff's office used disproportionate force on detainees after the disturbance had largely subsided. So they punished them, basically. The three detainees had to be taken to the hospital, and a fourth had to be revived by chest compressions, but she said she was not taken to the emergency room. I mean, the hysterectomy thing sent me into a rage. Like, immigrants are human beings, and they're people, and they have all their their nap is not to be violated. The, you are not to involuntarily give people hysterectomies. It doesn't matter if they're not Americans or not. They're human beings and they have rights. And that is one of the most messed up stories I've heard in a long time, Reinhold. Well, it is, but it also is a story that I heard nine months ago um, when when all this was kind of going down and there was a big surge and everything at the border a year ago. I heard all of these stories that the, the forced hysterectomies were going on, the, the abuse, uh, the, the un investigated abuse, the constant um, uh, the sexually transmitted diseases because of the guards taking advantage of the uh, of the um, immigrants, that sort of thing. And I always ask the question because I, I have this I have this conversation with people sometimes like, well, they're not American, so they don't have the rights that we have. I'm like, what part of inalienable rights do you guys not understand? Inalienable means that right doesn't come from you by a government. A government can't dictate whether you have or don't have that right. It's yours no matter what. Uh, so where do we get off thinking that those people coming across the border or asking for asylum have technically violated no laws in any way, mm -hmm. uh, just seeking asylum. Um, we decide that they don't get you know, the basic inalienable human rights that we talked about. The founding of this country was on the, the core tenet of why we created this country to begin with was the basis of that thought process that everybody, no matter who you were had rights. And remember at the beginning of the country, not everybody was a citizen. You know, there was a very limited path to citizenship and citizenship was reserved to people to be involved in the running of the government and decisions that were being made. Mm -hmm. They wanted people who were invested to do that, but right. everybody had an inalienable right to life an inalienable right to all things. Now there's a lot of hypocrisy with that, with the slavery thing and everything that was going on at the time too. But I think we, we should be trying to get better at this of what we promised and what we, we envisioned this country to be and not get worse. So I just want to make sure we try to improve all the time and hearing stories like this and, and reading about it and seeing it happen and hearing people try to push back on it uh, and defend it. Just, it's so frustrating in that regard. Yeah, it, and it, I swear the Constitution gets a lot of its powers that it has no delineation line. Like, it doesn't stop at the imaginary border, which is the United States. Reynolds clearly correct. Like, if you believed in the the words written on that parchment of the Constitution, it doesn't stop with the U.S. It's everyone. Everyone has this, these rights. Everyone has the right to counsel. They all have these rights. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. I It's just, yeah, it's that every time I see it, like, when they're saying they're immigrants, it's just like, are you, do you even know what you're saying? You know, that's... You know, it's if you ever had to flee this the, this country, and you you know w that means you know what rights do you just, think you have? It's not just the, yeah. Rights. It's not just the bar. It's like not just the not living up to the promise of America. It's barbarism. 
Like, it's basic decency. Like, giving women hysterectomies. Uh, I mean, just like you're you're trying to prevent that race from pro, like spreading. You know, it's just like it's eugenicist, and and whoever was behind that should be put in jail. I mean, it just uh, so gross to me. So we are not going to have a three hour show. We're just going to end right here at two and a half, longest show in a long time. It's not our not our longest, which I think was like six hours or four hours, um, but. Uh, a long show, but we had a lot to talk about, a lot to get out, and we thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Reinhold. We appreciate it. Hold on, hon. hon just a second. We'll figure, I got. I gotta go. So I gotta talk to this child. So uh, she's she's lost patience, and I'm sure so many of you have as well. So thank you so much for joining us here on the show.